Happy Black Friday, everyone. Uh, oh. Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. I'm here with Carrie. I'm Carter. Carrie has a another cool knitted hat today. Yes. Hello, Carter. This is one. Uh, this was made by Mama's Little Monkeys. I love all the knitter handles. <laughs> they and have a lot of interesting names. Yarn. <laughs> yeah, she has two handles because I think she has a shop with her sister. It's called Two Sisters and Some Yarn. But I love this. It's kind of getting. Oh, that's the a, that's your, yarn hoarder too. Two sisters and some yarn is oh, also okay. called yarn hoarder. I think. <clears throat> well, it's um, yeah. the weather is finally turning here in Texas, so I can wear more of my warm hats, which is nice. Nice. Um, As yeah. someone pointed out in chat, that? I don't know if we can call it Black Friday. I think this is Friday of color. So let's just <laughs> go with that. <laughs> um, but uh, Black Friday matters. Yeah. Hey, um, if you haven't been here before, or if you're new, you're watching Kofefi Break on Unsafe Space. We do this every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific. Carrie has a hat 50% of the time, but we comment on it 100% of the time. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, How was your Thanksgiving? You can tell me. I, you already told me part of it, but you can tell everyone. You are well, in, you're in the, the Republic of California. <laughs> We are in the People's Republic of California, and what's odd is I was I had a call with my wife who is in the actual People's Republic of China, and it was funny to be in the People's Republic of California talking to someone in actual China who has way more freedoms. She's like going out. She went to a concert <laughs> the night before, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, everything's well, fine. <laughs> I, I don't think we talked about this on the show, but I saw a picture from a concert in Wuhan from like sometime last week. And it's this big outdoor festival concert. No one's wearing masks. Everyone's just partying and having a good time with music and sort of like, wow. Yeah. And then we're yeah, still she's here. Going, she's like, and it's not just one spot. She's traveled between Shanghai, Beijing, and Shenzhen several times in the past month or two when she's been there. And like, no, no issues. I think once, once or twice she went into a restaurant where you had to like take your temperature first. But there's no masks. There's like... And then she's been there for like, I don't know what since I don't remember when she left. Like it's over been a, a while. Month. It's been over yeah, a month yeah. and a half, two months. Yeah, it's been a while. So, uh, yeah, they're fine. They're fine in China. So, it wasn't the virus that was engineered in a socialist lab. It was the response. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm but, still getting to this day. I, for for the most part, I think a lot of people are now starting to question the mask mandate people maybe who didn't before are finally starting to question them but there are still those tired. holdouts who just confuse me I, and if if you are someone who believes mask mandates are fine uh you're still welcome on this show <laughs> but i just i just don't understand that's all so those people i don't i don't i really don't get it i i don't understand what bubble they're living in yeah. but well we violated california's laws to have thanksgiving and it wasn't even <clears throat> we went over to grandparents house and they are definitely in the <clears throat> i don't want to say this i think they are i don't want to speak for them but i think i would say they are like viscerally and spiritually anti-mask in their personalities like they would be the kind of people who just want to don't tell us what to do and you know they they want they're very social they want to interact. They volunteer everywhere and, and interact a lot with people. Um, and uh, but but, you know, 
their news comes from mainstream media and they're very obedient Democrats. And so, you know, and they're old. Look, and in their defense, yeah, they're also in the age category where it matters more, yeah, of right? Yeah. So, um, so you know, but even they, even even at grandparents' house, they couldn't follow the rules completely. We had dinner inside, which is illegal. Uh, that was not allowed. <laughs> That's so, so crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it was it was kind of well, sad. There was like a big moment of like a Zoom call to me, and it was just like. And it was sad. Also, this you know, my daughter and I were making some food to bring over, and it was like, well, we have to like, how small can we make this recipe? Because there's only, you know, it used to be, will there be enough? And now it's kind of like, can we make a, can we make a third of the recipe? <laughs> Is that possible? Did you see the Babylon Bee satirical headline that said, uh, I forget which website it was, but it's some Food Network or something, some recipes website deletes all of the recipes that serve more than six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was kind of yeah. It was <laughs> so, but you know, it was good. It was good. We had, you know, it was a fine day. We had good food and hung out and, you know, it was all good. But you, you got to celebrate. I'm, good... I'm envious because you had an act like an actual Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, an actual Thanksgiving. I just got back. I drove five hours this morning to get back here to do this Dedication. show here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. And like you said, again, for anyone who's new to the show, uh, I have been known to put on a mask on occasion, rare occasion. And I've only seen you put on masks that cover your eyes on rare occasion. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, like we took uh, food across the street to uh, um, a, a friend of the family. And, you know, we I didn't I wasn't actually wearing a mask, so I didn't go in like I stayed socially distant and yeah. My boyfriend was wearing a mask and giving food and everything. It's like, of course, if you're going over to someone who's home and they're elderly and they're, you know, yeah, of course I'd put one on if it makes them feel good and they want that in their home, then of course. But, you know, at our place, no, I'm not wearing them. And I don't wear yeah. them anymore at stores or anything unless someone asks me. And I'm finding that as the months drag on, fewer and fewer stores, at least around here, even ask anymore yeah there, there's definitely like a weariness to it where people there's a there's a store that i go a little shop that i go to with you know in california you have to wear a mask inside but the the store owner puts the mask below his nose um all the time and no one says anything and yeah. so as soon as i noticed he was doing that i just started doing that um yeah and uh and by the way uh i know i don't seem like the the very sensual kind of guy less frivolity more intellect and you know curmudgeon behavior but uh i forgot how much i missed smells there's like a lot of spices in the store and like i, I you know i yeah. lowered my mask the first time i was like oh the world smells like something other than what i ate for breakfast <laughs> it's wonderful <laughs> yeah a there are scents in, in the air <laughs> yeah i was in uh fort worth a while a while ago maybe a few weeks ago and there's a handmade boot store that I really love. I love their work. And you can't go into a handmade boot store and not smell the leather. That's part of the experience. Right. Yeah, the leather's like, the best. The leather smells on. one of the best parts of, of any of kind of leather Of course I'm not going to wear yeah. this thing. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember. I mean, I'm sure you do because we've talked about it. So I know you remember. I don't know if everyone else remembers. <clears throat> uh, just as a reminder, when they did the... Uh, when they started with the lockdown stuff, 
the argument was um, there, there was there was no I don't know, just I know it's almost a year ago so sometimes it's hard to remember this far back but wow there was no talk of, of vaccines the strategy was by all the the experts uh, the strategy was hey uh, we've got to get to herd immunity the problem is uh, we don't want to overwhelm our healthcare system so if everyone gets it all at once, We'll overwhelm our healthcare system. We have to flatten that curve, and you know, then we'll we'll get to herd immunity, but we'll do it in kind of stages. That has completely disappeared from the narrative. Well, hundred percent. Now it's all about how dare we have herd immunity. Now it has to be yeah. vaccines. And I don't know if you saw. I think I think Keith the Hat guy posted this in our team Discord, but. Uh, I watched I watched this I forget what it was it was some Ron Paul Institute thing but Tom Woods spoke at it I think it was last week might have been the week before but he has this great series of graphs where he goes through a bunch of different countries and he shows the covid curve and he shows I'm trying to see if I can put it in frame here okay he shows like uh the covid deaths and then and then they drop off and they go up or whatever and he and he he presents the curve for each country, and he says, guess when they implemented mask mandates, right? And obviously, if there was a correlation, you should, on average, be able to kind of figure out, because you should be able to see right. it in the graph, like, oh, here, and then it went down. Uh, in many of the cases, the mask mandates are are, are there, right? The, the mask mandates, like, there's no correlation at all. In fact, there is no correlation. Overall, there's just no correlation. They, they implement no. the mask mandate, and it, like, while it's down in the trough, and then it goes up after the mask mandate. Like, just random stuff it's not correlated to anything uh-huh. yeah it doesn't it doesn't correlate and i don't we don't need to get into a mass debate because i know there's people who would no, disagree no no i'm just but because i just recently stumbled into a community of people who are mask holes uh that or <laughs> the virtue signaling kind of how dare you it's your privilege not to it's your white privilege not to wear those kind of people uh, I just was reminded that they're still out there and that they believe that the science is squarely on their side, that this is somehow helping. And I just, I guess I've gotten so far away from that. I just, I still find that surprising. But speaking of vaccines, did you see this? I just sent you a link. Mm-mm. But I will look. Okay. This was kind of interesting. This is from Vanity Fair from a story on October 22nd. And I saw this in is a Chuck tweet Ross from tweet is from Chuck Vanity Ross. Fair. Oh, okay. Okay. Hold on. So he says, Chuck Ross says, this seems shady as hell from a story on October 22nd, Biden coronavirus task force member Zeke Emanuel worked with Eric Topple to pressure Pfizer not to apply for approval of its vaccine on an expedited timeline before the election. <laughs> in other words, Wait till Biden gets elected. (laughs) Right. Hold off. We want, as we all know, the narrative is going to be that Biden did what Trump couldn't do. We know that's what they're going to sell us. He's going to do some kind of federal mass mandate or lockdown or something, or he's going to claim credit for a vaccine. And then magically it will disappear from legacy media and it will be the narrative they will try and sell us and force feed us is that he's cured COVID. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. And there's an excerpt there from Vanity Fair. It says, uh, 
working with Topher Spiro, Vice President for Health Policy at the Center for American Progress, and Zeke Emanuel, Vice Provost for Global Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. Now, again, Zeke Emanuel is Biden's coronavirus task force member. Okay, so working with him, Topol organized an open letter to Biorla at Pfizer from more than 60 top clinicians and public health experts. They politely demanded that the company abide by the FDA's guidance, that it monitor its clinical trial participants for two months after they had received the second dose of its vaccine before applying for approval. You know, now you can read nefarious intent into that or not, but yeah. I tend to read that and think, well, yeah, sure, timing-wise, of course they want it to come out after Biden's president. Yeah. You know, uh, not that not that Trump is... Um Mr. Free Market Guru, but I, I, one thing I did appreciate about his COVID response, and of course, you'll never hear anything about this from the mainstream media because the mainstream media is going to be all about how his COVID response was horrible. Um, if you look at the left, and actually not even just the left, I'll call it, this is not a left-right issue. This is a deep state slash, this is like a deep state versus disruptor issue. The, the deep state's response to this is, well, what should the government do? The government should make XYZs, supply ABC, have rules, you know, PQR, whatever. The government should lock down this and do that and have this rule and that rule and blah, blah, blah. And Trump's natural response, which I think is actually a healthy, I mean, intellectually, it's the correct response. I don't know that he thought about it or just felt it viscerally, but his response was, well, gee, the free market is the most powerful thing. How can I get the government out of the way so that the free market can work more efficiently to solve this problem? And that's exactly the American response that you want to a pandemic. You want, you want the response to be a recognition that people acting voluntarily of their own free will in the free market can produce and solve problems better than government. And what he did with respect to the vaccines was try and get the government out of Pfizer's way. He didn't, he didn't like commission a, you know, he didn't say like, Fauci, pick your best scientist and go into a room and study vaccines yeah. and we'll give you a billion dollars and the government will cure you. He just said, hey, FDA, uh, how much can you get out of the way? Can you get out of the way a little bit can more? Can you get out of the way faster? Um, and that's the right response. And I don't see him praised but, for that response very much, but that is a – for anyone who claims to be a conservative or on the right at all or even some kind of a fan of free markets, that's the right response. That's the right response. It's can we get out of the way. And before and, – and, and just so that no one misunderstands me, I'm not on the vaccine train anyway. I don't intend on taking a vaccine <laughs> for this. And, uh, you know, to each his, his own. But it's just interesting to me because I think the narrative, as I said, the narrative will be that Biden somehow conquered COVID. And whether they do that through saying, oh, look, the, he he helped get the vaccine or whether they do that by saying, oh, he did X, Y, Z, you know, federal lockdown or federal mass mandate. And that did it. Either way, they're going to they're going to give it to him. They're going to attribute right. They're going to spin this narrative and attribute the natural decline of the virus to somehow Biden doing something special. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
anyway. Yeah, no, I, I agree they are going to do that. And, and Let me ask you something else. I know you have yeah. some topics lined up today. I don't have a lot. Not a so lot. I'm just gonna, Not a lot. Okay, so. well, I'm just going to hit you with a couple things I did read because I mostly took a break from social media for mm-hmm. the holiday, which is cool. But um, I did see someone said this on Twitter, and I looked it up on the website, and it's true, and I just missed it during the election. I guess they, the press never felt – the legacy media never felt like talking about it. <clears throat> some kind uh, of Biden fake news has, you missed? Yeah. On his website, Biden has said he's going to impose a $200 tax on quote unquote assault weapons on rifles. Oh, did you hear this? And no, uh, $200 per rifle and $200 per extended capacity magazine. Wait, 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 wait. When you purchase a magazine, you have to pay an extra 200 bucks, an extra 200 bucks (laughs) for like a $40 magazine. However, they define extended capacity because, you know, it's all about diction. Right. Like you said, it's all about if, if they have your dictionary, they don't need your constitution. That's right. I love that quote of yours. As long as if they have the dictionary, however, they define extended capacity. Who knows what that's going to be? Well, then um, you however, have to they define assault rifle, too. I mean, what the hell? Is yeah. That? However, they define assault rifle. So I didn't I realize he was going to going to do that. Yeah, and I know he had said at one point he was going to put Beto O'Rourke in charge yeah. of his gun policy. Has he followed oh through my. on that at all or no? I haven't heard anything about it since then. I've been blessedly at like not following the news very much. <laughs> but I'm sure he's going to follow through with that. It's sad guns Trump are. wasn't great on guns either, but Biden's worse. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a huge... I have friends who who are vehemently in disagreement with me about this, but I'm not a huge fan of the NRA because I I feel like they've been they consistently compromise and don't take principled stances for for things. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're going to get me to. There's a kind of a larger issue I want to talk about, and I've been I wanted to hold off on it, but you're almost pushing me in this direction. So maybe. Uh... Maybe you have to go there. Well, let's go there because I want to know. You know how you've asked me before, like, what is your line? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not paying a tax. <laughs> All right. Well, that's your line. Okay. I mean, I'm not. <clears throat> here wait, here yeah. it is. Uh, Biden is proposing a $200 tax on every quote-unquote assault rifle. So however they choose to define that. Right. Every Typically assault rifle you own. black and nasty and looking. Yeah, and an extra $200 for every quote-unquote high-capacity magazine you own. Right. Right. So, yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I just, I don't... Well, I mean, my thoughts on that particular thing, obviously it's unconstitutional. I mean, I think any gun law basically is unconstitutional, so uh, that that's an easy one. <laughs> um, Biden... Obviously, Biden's worse than Trump on this. What what you're making me think of, though, is um, so you know, uh, do you know baby elephant syndrome? Uh, this is I was thinking about this the other day. Do you know baby elephant no. syndrome? No. So elephants are like super strong; they can rip out trees from their roots and stuff. That's like elephants are extremely strong animals. <clears throat> so how do you control elephants? Like you can't. How do you tie an elephant up? Right? It's not, how do you control an elephant? Well, the way that you do it is when they're babies, you tie them to a little tree. And they're not strong enough to pull the little tree out when they're babies. 
and they try and they try and they fail and they try and they fail and eventually they give up. Eventually they learn I'm not strong enough when I when there's a rope attached to me to a thing, I can't pull it out. And they give it up. And that lasts their entire lives. So when they're big, you can tie a big ass elephant to a little tree and it'll stand there. Cause it won't bother to try and rip I could probably rip the tree out with a sneeze. But <laughs> it's not gonna it's not going to, because it's not gonna try. And I was thinking about that in terms of the first and second amendments. I was thinking like, okay, uh, yay, you have this recognized freedom of speech. That's nice. Um, but if we train you to self-censor and never use it, who cares that you have the freedom to say what you want? It doesn't matter because you won't. And I thought the same thing about the Second Amendment. And this is actually one of the things that um, I don't like about the NRA as compared to something else like Gun, Owner, Gun Owners of America who take a much more principled stance on the Second Amendment. Right? You've you've had this indoctrination regarding the Second Amendment, even from gun rights advocates, who use arguments around hunting and sporting and like, you know, you know if you're trained that that you have a right to own a gun, but by God, you'd never actually use it against a tyrant. Obviously, like. It's just for sporting and for hanging on the wall and for going to the range, and you just have a right to it. And it's it's a hobby that the founding fathers built into the Constitution. Um, just like, you know, it's it's almost as if like the Second Amendment said, you know, a, a right to have golf clubs. And it's like, well, obviously they really cared that we were able to play golf. So that that's how it's viewed. And um and I think if you if you train, quote, baby America in not exercising those things, if you train them that it would be morally reprehensible to use your your fire. By the way, I want to say this because YouTube will, I don't want YouTube to come. I am not recommending any specific course of violent action against anyone. Let's just, I'm not, I'm not saying go revolt right now. Uh, but if you're trained, if you're trained mentally uh, to, to believe that it, it's always wrong to ever use your second amendment to defend yourself against a tyrannical government then who the hell cares in fact you can have people can have guns if you own their brain to the point where they would never use them to defend themselves against the state there's actually little harm in letting them have guns it's like yeah. if you can train the baby elephant americans to never fight back the second amendment actually isn't as dangerous as it should be to tyrants um so I don't know. I, I I was thinking about that, and I, I thought it is kind of like the baby elephant syndrome. I feel like as a country, um, you see it with the First Amendment, especially with I won't say social media, but you can see it manifest on social media. You see it in in your friend circles and whatever about what's okay to talk about and what's not. Um, I mean, if you're in a if you're in a non if you're in like a mixed group of friends at all right now, if you if you're not in a if you're not in an echo chamber of people who believe the election was stolen. And you voice any sort of doubt that mail-in voting is not 100% secure or any sort of doubt that the elections were not completely above board, uh, you'll be shut down harshly and quickly and ridiculed and mocked. I mean, it is not an acceptable opinion. It's not like saying, well, I don't like Brussels sprouts or I'm a vegetarian and I and I only eat meat. And like, okay, well, we can disagree and have a conversation about that. That's fine. <laughs> You can't have a conversation about um, 
about the vote, the election at all, at all. You're just not allowed to. And so you self-censor. You just don't talk about it. Which, well, well I do, but I know, well, many I know people what you mean. Don't. Most people don't. Yeah. And I, you know, not to take this off on a tangent, but I was actually thinking about that, about how, um, you know, as you know, I said, I believe in my gut, this election was stolen. And so do you, right. I'm not as concerned over pouring over all the, um, all the numbers. And, and I know some people who are really plugged into the process of trying to determine what fraud actually happened and, uh, you know, exposing it. And, uh, I'm just kind of, I, I just feel like this, this may be disappointing to some people, but I think they stole it and I think they pulled it off to such, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to. to oh yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. think he was going to be able but, to, I mean, it'd be great, but I don't think he's going to pull it off. But so one thing I started thinking about, cause it's just so absurd that we're supposed to believe that somehow Biden got more votes than Obama got during <laughs> his landslide victories. Yep. And we're also supposed to believe that he did that during a year when Trump made gains in places that had previously not voted for Trump and with populations that had not voted for Trump, you know, he doubled his support with black women. He increased his support with black men, with um, the gay and lesbian um, demographic, yeah. LGBTQ. He increased his support with Latinos. I mean, across the board, he increased his support with every demographic except white men. And we're we're somehow supposed to believe that while all that was happening and while there was all this momentum of people like myself who did not vote for him last time and who came out to vote for him this time, um, that somehow Biden had more enthusiasm. Or right. what they're really saying is that the enthusiasm against Trump was so great that Biden got more votes than Obama did during his landslide. I just, that's just BS. But what I was thinking about it was, number one, I'm wondering if it's going to make me feel like not voting in the future. I don't know. That remains to be seen, you know. Well, I, that you would be for that, but generally I like to believe that my vote matters. And now I'm sort of in no. a place, at least right now, of thinking, yeah, it doesn't really. They it, look. I think they've stolen it before. I think they stole it. This may be an unpopular opinion among conservatives, but I think they they stole it for W. Um, but this time, the 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 lie is so big, and I just sort of I think there's no turning back from this. Like I'll never trust another election again, and. So that's one thing that's going through my head. The other thing that's going through my head is related to what you're talking about. If you're in the if you're in um, the public at large, how they're they're the the legacy media and social media exist has uh, created this this second reality almost where, yeah. like you said, people feel weird maybe about expressing any doubts about the election integrity. Yeah. And, and so I was thinking about things like great scandals in our history that we all sort of uniformly don't trust. Like for example, one of the things that's happened during our lifetime is the Jeffrey Epstein death. It doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left, almost right. everyone I know agrees that he did not kill himself right. <laughs> or if he did, that he was allowed to. But nobody believes the official story at all. And right. if you look back, I think that the, uh, the Kennedy assassination is something that a lot of people are very skeptical about the official narrative of the Kennedy assassination. 
And I was thinking about this election and I was like, is this going to be like Epstein and like Kennedy or, or in, you know, two, three, four, five decades from now, are people going to look back and, and is it going to be recorded in history as the great theft? And are people going to look back at it knowing that, that it was all BS? I don't think so, because they control how history yeah. is written. Well, I mean, yeah, it depends if they're still in control. I mean, I don't think that I don't want to say that this effort to uncover voter fraud and irregularities doesn't matter. It does. And I watched the Pennsylvania um, hearings on what was it, Wednesday? Uh, I, I watched the uh, Senator Mastriano hearings on on Wednesday. I think it was the let's see, what does it say? The Pennsylvania Senate Majority Policy Committee hearing in Gettysburg. Uh, but but here's how I view it. If you if you let's say the election, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Let's say the election is you measuring the height of two plates. There's the Donald Trump plate and the and the Joe Biden plate, right? Okay. And there's like a cake on the Joe Biden. There's nothing on the Donald Trump plate, but there's a cake on the Joe Biden plate. And we're arguing about the and, and there's some, there's like maybe there's like a little bit of icing on the Trump plate by itself. And there's a cake on the on the Joe Biden plate with a little bit of icing on the top of the cake. And we're arguing over the thickness of the icing on the Biden plate because we think they cheated and put more like the, the technicalities of the vote. I look at that Biden plate and go, well, I mean, even even Robert Epstein has already said at least six million votes were swayed by Google this election. I mean, the 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 swaying of the votes, even if there were legitimate votes, is it's it's not what you would call a voter fraud, but it is what the left would have called election interference had it been done by Russia. But since it's done by Google or had it been and done by Twitter, Trump, yeah. Right. Right. But since it's done by Google and Twitter and Facebook and uh, you know, their favorite friends, None of it counts. And so I look at that and I go, well, yeah, maybe maybe if you can shave enough icing off the top of the Biden cake, Trump still wins. Maybe. But there's an entire cake that if you took it away, he would definitely win. If you took away the massive bias, the massive vote swaying and election influence that Twitter and Google and Facebook have been doing for years, especially the last four years, as we saw Google intentionally step up their efforts, I, I kind of look at it and I go, well, I that's the big problem, right? That's because at some point that cake is going to get tall enough that you don't have to even do voter fraud. At some yeah, point, but, it won't. But matter. I think they did, yeah. But I definitely think they did both because I don't think it was enough this time. Uh, but I do think they did it. But, I, I do think yeah. they did it. I do, <laughs> and you know, I, but uh, again, this is this is the the if we had actual journalism. By the way, so try this. Try going and finding a a thorough list of all of the evidence for like legitimate evidence for voting problems in the even if it's just in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia and, you know, or just those three states maybe, right? Um, there's not like the mainstream media doesn't have any lists like that. The only lists they have are here's Trump's claims completely debunked with no evidence. Like they have that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and you do. can find some sites like that are way out there on the right who have ridic like ridiculous stuff listed, but even they don't have a good list. 
there's not really any, you know, I because I, I did spend some time searching around. There's not really a good. I want to. I don't even want to say unbiased. Even a biased. There's not even a good biased list of. Here's yeah, the evidence and, that's and, been laid out. Here are the allegations in Georgia and the evidence for them. And we don't think that they're true, or we do think they're true. Whatever it is, here's the evidence been presented. Here's the evidence in Pennsylvania. There's just not. There's not a list. And, and to your point, had the media, as if the legacy media and the deep state, you know, if they, if they, if they had been pushing, manipulating algorithms via Google and YouTube and trying to sway the vote for four years for Trump. And if the fraud, let's say uh, alleged fraud, seemed to work in Trump's favor, you can guarantee those lists would be ubiquitous. They would be on every legacy media channel. You wouldn't be able to turn around. Your friends on the left would be sharing them constantly. See, it's in Newsweek. Brian Stetzler's or whatever his name is. His voice would be hoarse. Yeah. yeah, they're all it's everywhere. It's obvious it happened. Look, it's in the legacy media, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, and and when it comes to voter fraud, this is the other thing that I that I find fascinating about uh, talking to people who have bought into the narrative. They, because again, my gut says that there was fraud, but I'm not running around saying. I guarantee there's fraud and you're ridiculous for saying that this particular piece of evidence is bullcrap. Like, I'm willing to have a conversation and look into it. Um, I think some of the evidence presented is bullcrap, but some of it doesn't look like bullcrap at all. Some of it looks real. Um, but it's interesting how how quickly they dismiss the concept that there could be fraud. And I just, I feel like asking people, how would you know? Like, who are you to say, oh, for example, Twitter has this thing when you search, or actually, I think just when you go to explore, they keep repeating this, mail-in ballots are completely safe and fraud-free, experts say. Experts say mail-in ballots are perfect. Experts say there's never any problems with mail-in ballots. How would you know? How would How would you know if you were living in a banana republic where the elections were rigged would you be the people just going oh pshaw the state the state newspaper says the elections are fine the state experts say there's no problems it's it's really weird how quickly to me what's what's scary is not that people believe one thing or another it's the readiness with which they dismiss any questions about it these are the same people many of them who grew up with question authority bumper stickers on their cars right and now they're in their 60s or whatever, their 70s, and they're like, well, obviously, there's nothing to question here. <laughs> Anyone who questions this is a conspiracy yes. theorist and crazy. And it's like, well, like, how would you know? Have you seen any real journalism? Has any journalist actually gone in detail, looked at any of this stuff and and no. and and researched it and said anything? And all of the mailing uh, expert opinions are all based on, if you read any of them, they're all based on past mail-in ballot fraud detection. They're all based on, historically, there has not been a lot of mail-in voting fraud. And I believe that. I believe that, historically, there has not been a lot of mail-in voting fraud. Can we have the conversation about how this year is different? 
different. <laughs> Can yeah. we have a conversation about how everyone and their mother got a mail-in voting ballot, whether they asked for one or not in many places, and there was no special requirements, there's no special dispensation to get a mail-in ballot? Can we talk about the fact that there was probably not a great way to verify the authenticity of these. And even if there was, procedures weren't followed. I mean, Gregory Stenstrom in Pennsylvania testified. By the way, this hearing in Pennsylvania, the things these people said at this hearing, this is testified. This is, they've testified. This is legal. This is like a witness testifying. It's is under oath, right? They've testified. You can't lie. They witnessed procedural violations left and right. So yeah. the idea that you're crazy for questioning it is one of the scariest zombie movie things I can possibly imagine. It's like we have an entire country full of zombies going, voting is safe, mail-in voting is safe, Biden <laughs> won, there is no fraud, blah, blah, brains. It's really crazy. It's really crazy yeah. to me. I would, I would much rather have both sides it questioning is. the integrity of everything and arguing about it, but... It is like 1984. I know we come back to a lot of these dystopian novels quite a bit and, and the ones mm -hmm. that we've read in book club the past year and a half. But it is very, it reminds me of 1984 with the way they would just change the news, you know, week to week. Yes. And, Down and the people hole. would just go along with it. Yeah, go right, go right along with it as if they never believed the, op whatever the news is saying today, that's what we believe. We've always been at war with Oceana. And then a week later, we've never been at war with the Oceana. Okay, cool. That's I believe it. <laughs> yeah, maybe but, maybe in two or three years, the the CNN will be telling us Kamala Harris has always been president. Kamala Harris was voted <laughs> president. We've always had Kamala Harris as president. <laughs> we'll see if that. <laughs> oh man. Okay. But yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So that's all. And by the way, answers. and by the way, speaking of because he's on our cover today, speaking of social media's role. Twitter banned the state senator from Pennsylvania. Uh, what's his name? What? Doug Mastriano. They, they reinstated it later and said, oops. But oh. they banned his account, because presumably because he hosted this hearing uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, and by the way, a judge has blocked the certification of Pennsylvania election results. I don't – the The idea that, that looking into this is uh, is somehow – it's, they put you in the same category as a science denier. They try and they try and create this category of irrationality and say if you question the narrative, you're a crazy irrational person. Uh, Which anyway. is funny because you know we don't try and make them feel that way, but it's in my opinion, it's more applicable to them. If you don't mm -hmm. question it, you're crazy. <laughs> oh, totally. Like I just I just don't even get you. <laughs> Yeah, like, totally. What I world agree. are you living in where you must be totally checked out and just plugged up to uh, Legacy Media as your only source of information? I mean, what kind of, like you said, zombie, what kind of zombie are you if you don't question it? I, do, I, I mean, I won't make you feel dumb in conversation. I won't. But I do, I do think that you're checked out, you know, and I do you know, try to cultivate empathy and all that. But I definitely don't have a lot of respect for you. If you're a person who's just like, whoop, doo -doo, like, yeah, everything's on the up and up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. I mean, look, that's the, I, we didn't actually, this is one of the only times we didn't talk about the word that was behind me the other day, but it was vigilance. And the reason I had put it up there was because I was thinking like, 
I, I was reminded of how important the vigilance of the citizenry is if you intend to hold a country, if you, if you intend to hold a republic um, with, like, you know, individual rights and limited government, if you, if you intend to, to hold that kind of a government, you can only do it if the citizenry remains vigilant. If they're going to check out and parrot CNN there's nothing you can do there's 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 no way to hold that country if that's what the population does uh yeah and i think that's what many of us are doing well okay let's do well, before we get uh too we'll too chats. far behind yeah. let's do some super chats and thank you guys for joining us here today uh we'll start through some pirate of these Tomsky. you have to... yeah the first one i think is pirate tomsky five pounds pirate tomsky admits he likes to wear a mask when he loots and pillages. Pirate life. Hashtag pirate life for me. <laughs> nice. Well, Pirate Tomsky, uh, don't forget Hi, pirate to... Tomsky. Don't forget to cover your eyes. Uh, <clears throat> masks are terribly comfortable. I think everyone will be wearing them in the future. See how prescient Princess Bride was? They predicted that everyone will be wearing masks in the future because they're terribly comfortable. Uh, okay, Joseph Sorty. Joseph says... Government doesn't outright strip rights from citizens anymore. Instead, they tax you out of having financial freedom to live how you'd like. Yeah, and this is why the word infringe, this again, if you own the dictionary, you can get away with this stuff. Well, infringe only means if we ban, right? If you just redefine infringe um, so that yeah. taxing doesn't mean infringe, well, then you can get away with taxing. Uh, but taxing is a form of infringement. Uh, it's, it's, it's a form of putting up a barrier which is a form of infringement. Uh, and certainly, I mean, if you're re referencing the $200 tax on <laughs> magazines, I mean, certainly that's a ridiculously, that's not even a negligible tax. That's a that's a tax that's worth more than the product, right? That's a ridiculous yeah. tax. <clears throat> so, uh, all right, I'm let's see. Paying, I'm not paying it. <laughs> Ta tax Terra. You know, by the way, uh, actually, before we get to Tax Terra, 3D printers. The market for 3D printers will go up because by because you can 3D print. I mean, 3D printing firearms is possible, but harder, and you know you need you really want better metal and forged steel for barrels and that kind of stuff. But 3D printing magazines, pretty easy. Buy a spring, yeah. 3D print a magazine. Kind of done. Uh, so. They're not going to, they can't tax your printed magazine. Okay. Tax Terra, speaking of taxes, gives us five bucks and says, condolences for everyone's tragic boating accidents. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Thanks, Tax Terra. <laughs> What's well, the next see. one? I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Sorry. Okay. I see another from Pirate Tomsky. I don't know if it's the next one. I don't either. Hold on. Sorry, guys. Scrolling is... Oh, yeah. The next one is... is It says starts with sorry. Do you want to read it? Yeah. Pirate Tomsky, thank you, says, I'm sorry to say this, but I half want Biden to be confirmed so it destroys the mainstream media and other orgs can pop up to fill the gap. Yeah, there may well, be you some... Don't have to, you don't have to say you're sorry for for thinking that might be one silver lining 
of <laughs> Biden being confirmed. I do think that the legacy media, hopefully, despite all the zombies we've talked about, I think we've reached a point, I think we've crossed a, a really a really important line in the past four years. And I don't I don't think that they have any credibility and I think that they lose credibility by the day with people. And the Oh and the, yeah, I mean the there's longer, been studies about that. Yeah. They, they don't have credibility. And the longer yeah. that they um are engaging in gaslighting, actual gaslighting. I don't mean gaslighting the incorrect way social justice people like to use it. I mean, actual gaslighting, meaning emotional manipulation and trying to make you think that reality isn't real and that you're not seeing what's before your very eyes. The more that they engage in that kind of uh, manipulation, I think the more people will wake up. It's just going to take time. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Uh, I'm not 100% convinced well, no, that's not true. I think some people will wake up. I don't think everyone will wake up, but I, I, no, I do everyone. think some people will wake up, yeah. Uh, BW85, do you want to read that one? Yeah, uh, thank you. BW85 says, the $200 tax would be through the NFA. You mm -hmm. either pay the tax for the guns and mags that you already own and have your guns registered with the federal government, or you either sell them to the government or you become a felon. Oh, is, is it a one-time tax for stuff that you own, or is it at point of sale tax? Oh, so it's an NFA. It's, you, it's an NFA thing. Okay. I think it's for what you already own, and is that true? If you refuse to pay it, you will be come yeah, a felon. Yeah, you're a felon at that point. Yeah. Well, I'm not paying it. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I just know I'm not paying a tax for my gun. <laughs> Nor not should you that, have to. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um. Rib Rothcut. You want to read that one? Thank you, Rib. He says, uh, it might be better long term for the GOP and the nation if Biden won so that all the impending woke Mishegos were laid at the Democrats' Michigas. feet. Michigas. I don't know that word. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's Michigas? Uh, I, you know what? I don't think I can define it well. It's like, I think it's kind of like I think it's kind of like shenanigans and 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 that kind of stuff. Like, I, I'm gonna look it up because I don't I don't want to be wrong. I know the word, okay. like, but I don't know Is it, it well Jewish enough word? to define it. No, Michigan? I don't think so. Uh, I'll just read the next ones. You can put them up whenever you have a second. They're fast anyway. Pirate Tomsky again. Thank you, Pirate. He says Twitter's company motto should be "Oopsie, sorry." <laughs> <laughs> Oops, sorry. Oh, it is Yiddish. Craziness, senseless behavior activity. There you go. It, it is, is Yiddish. It sounds Yiddish. Yeah. That's why. That's probably why I had like a feeling that I knew the word, but didn't really, didn't really know. Wait, which one did you just read? I read the last one. It was Pirate Tomsky. I think that's all. Oh, there's jo you didn't read Joseph Sorty. <clears throat> no. Joseph Joseph says I expect that in the absence of any real results in imposing the insecurities exposing the insecurities and fraud we will see Dems countrywide make elections even easier to fraud the game is about to be permanently rigged. Yeah. That's what I that's what I think. I mean maybe my opinion will change. I'm just at the I'm just at the beginning stages of accepting what just happened. I'm not I but don't believe I don't think it is I'm new. Just, but currently, I feel no. I, I think it's new by degree, though. I think. I think again, like I said, I think. I think they've stolen elections before. I just think this is new by degree, and this is mm -hmm. this is new. Like no election. I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Joseph. Like, I think the game is about to 
currently, I think the game is about to be permanently rigged. I will never trust an election again. If this works, which I think it will, they they're always going to have this backup plan. Yeah, they're going to continue manipulating and trying to get the public to vote the way they want through social media, through legacy media. They're going to continue using propaganda and censorship and manipulating algorithms. And they're going to keep doing all that stuff that Robert Epstein's testified about. Mm-hmm. But they're always going to have this backup plan now. And I don't I don't just mean the Democrats. I mean, the whole process. It's not just one party. You know, this party this time. Yeah, the Democrats. But I just mean, in general, I'm not going to trust our I don't think anyway, I'm going to trust our system again. Well, I mean, I think uh, I the way I look at it, um, if Trump were a Democrat, I don't think anything would be if he had run for the Democrat Party and someone like Hillary had been on the Republican side, I don't think anything would be different. Me either. This would all be exactly the same. They um, still would have rigged it against him because the problem yes. they have is him because right. he is not they're He's not one of them. They're not right. able to control him to the same degree that they are someone like Biden or Clinton or George W. <laughs> you know, when they talk about they've been talking a lot about the transition of power. Um, something that occurred to me is. Because they've been like, oh, well, you know, will there be a transition of power from Trump to Biden and blah, blah, blah. I think there wasn't really a transition of power to Trump. Uh, I think it's taken him four years to try and get some of the power that he was supposed to have transitioned. Like, if if I just put my my kind of not it's not a conspiracy theory if i just step back and look at the system and i say okay well the deep state's in charge the deep state's always been in charge um even in the bush gore thing i don't think the deep state cared too much who won like yeah maybe one side had some machinations to make things work out in their favor or whatever but you know bush gore not that much of a difference the deep state doesn't matter they'll both they'll both go bomb whatever they were both they'd have both started a war in iraq no big deal um but with Trump, uh, there was supposed to be a transition of power. But if you if you look at how he has struggled with actually getting anything done that he's wanted to get done, just just the people around him, just his own administration, just the people around him, like who to trust, just knowing who to trust. Look at look at how they've gone after everyone. You know, he he brings Michael Flynn in, and the guy gets thrown in jail. You've got. You know, the FBI and the intelligence community en masse going after Trump, like really trying yeah. to stop him. They have there was there was not really a clean transition of power in 2016. And no, when they are worried was. about this transition of power, make no mistake about it. They just want it's just the deep state wanting their power back. And I don't think they'll ever give it up again. No, I don't think so. And actually, Dion says Excuse me, this is not a super chat, but in the chat, Dion says something to this point. Uh, If we go back to regular politicians who are already compromised, they probably won't care who wins because they control them both. Yeah, that's right. They won't care so much if it's if it's a if it's a George W. Bush running against, you know, that kind of a Republican running against a, a Joe Biden kind of Democrat. They don't care. No, they might have a slight preference of one over the other. Like I the, think at they that did point, little special interests start to care. Right, because right. it's not one. The deep state's not one monolith. So at that point, you've got like this part fighting against this part because they want Biden and these guys want Romney or whatever the people are. Right, 
But it's not a united front where they all don't want Trump. And that's what we're seeing. It's a, This is a united front. The entire intelligence community unites against the president, right? Uh, and many high-level military people. Do you think Trump, if, if, they, if they swear Biden in, you know, if they're not able to prove fraud and everything, do you think Trump will run again? I don't know. I mean, it's, it, he'll be much older. I mean, he's already very old. Yeah, I kind um, of don't think he, I don't think he will. I was never convinced that he actually thought he would win in the first place, the first time. <laughs> I don't know that he'll run again. I don't. He, I mean, he might, but I don't, I don't think he would. I don't think he would. Because um, it's a lot of pain. I don't think he, even if, I'm not convinced that he didn't think he would win. I don't know what he thought about it. And I've, I've seen some articles, but they're from kind of leftist sources who claimed that he didn't think he was going to win. But I do think he did not expect the amount of pushback from the deep state that he got. I don't think he was ready for... I don't, I don't think he really understood how much the deep state would go after him. And anyone yeah. close to him. I don't think he, I, I think he underestimated. I think he thought, well, once I'm president, they're going to have to fall in line because I am I have yeah. power. And I don't think he understood that that was just not going to happen ever. Um, yeah. So I, I view Trump as this like last ditch effort to try and wrestle power from the deep state. And it was too little too late. Right. And again, I don't. There's a lot of things I don't like about Trump, but you know, he 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 was that outsider. Um, so, uh, Swiftner Braveheart gives us ten bucks and says, "I have a dilemma. Walmart and the police refused to access essential goods this past refused access to essential goods this past Wednesday. I was rung up, but they wouldn't even let me cash out to leave with my food over the mask." I have the video. Wait, so you you went in to, to buy something, you paid or you or maybe you rung up but they wouldn't let you pay. You had all your stuff. Cuz you weren't wearing a mask. Hmm. Uh I would just say I I am not sure what state you're in and I'm not sure what the policy is of that store, but I have an acquaintance here in Texas who had this same problem at HEB grocery store and she told them she had a medical exemption and that particular cashier didn't care and was rude and wasn't going to ring her up. And, uh, she ended up speaking with the manager and they reversed it and they, a lot, they offered an apology and, you know, they made sure to let everyone know that they do have a medical exemption and that employee was wrong. So if, if I were you, I mean, I would maybe consider pursuing it, um, talking, you know, taking it up the chain there at that Walmart, and find, just find out what their policy actually is in your state. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's up to them to refuse service. They can refuse service for whatever reason they want. Businesses can. But if they do have a policy, and I, I would imagine Walmart might have a policy for medical exemptions, then maybe pursue it. Most states, but, even when they have mandates, have exemptions for, yeah. for stuff. And because of HIPAA requirements that you don't actually have to tell them what your medical exemption is. So you can lie yeah. and there's literally no way to prove it. Um, now that's not really a principled way out of the problem. <laughs> I mean, 
Carter's not telling you to lie. Let's be clear. <laughs> I believe, well, so my, my, so I'm actually very against lying, but lying is a very narrow definition for me, which is the, uh, the attempt to gain a value through deceit. Um, and so I'm not sure, I'm not sure if just saying I have a medical ex exemption or, or letting them believe you have a medical exemption, like deceiving them into thinking you have a medical exemption. Is that, is it gaining a value when everyone's held at gunpoint? I don't really, I don't know. I mean, it's so like the example that I think Leonard Peikoff has used before, which I like for, for a lie is it, it's, 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 it's not a lie by the, by the definition I just said, it's not a lie because you're not gaining a value in the following example where like if a serial killer knocks at your front door and you open the door and he's like, Hey, I'm here to kill some kids. Where are they? You're not obligated to be like upstairs, second bedroom on the left. Like you, you can lie because you're not gaining a value through deceit. You're, it's a self-defense. So once force has been introduced, lying is no longer like you're not deceiving reality to trick someone. You're, you're protecting yourself through, through, um, deception. So I'm not sure where the, that particular scenario falls because I don't know all the details of that, but I'm not in general, I'm in general, I, I don't like lying at all, but, but the lying definition is narrow. That's just what I wanted to say. It's, it's a narrow definition. That's interesting. I'll keep thinking um, about that one. Okay. BW85. BW85. Thank you. I'll get this one. It says okay. the gun grabbers also would not stop with the AR-15. They'll then go after all semi-autos, including pistols. Only revolvers and shotguns would be left. Yes. Hey, I'm of the opinion that you're probably right. I used to be one of these people who I was an anomaly in some ways in that even when I was um, a committed social justice warrior for two decades, I, I also was a, a gun owner and I uh, worked for a while. I uh, had my NRA um, uh, certification for handgun training. So I was a handgun instructor at my friend's gun school. And so that made me a bit of an anomaly because I was a social justice warrior who, who believed in the second amendment and he shot and stuff. And, but so, but even, even though I was uh, even working with guns for a time, I was one of those leftists who did not believe that they actually had nefarious intent when they came after certain weapons. I thought, oh, no, they're really just trying to limit this one kind of weapon. And I, I was kind really that I naive. Don't have. I was very naive. And that's not I don't I no longer believe that. I think you're right. Yes, it's a, it's because they can't start with no matter what the infringement is, whether it's a tax or whether it's trying to ban a particular firearm, they can't start with handguns. Handguns, it's, it's the weapon that that most people own. They can't start there. They have to start with something yep. cosmetically scary looking, something that they can demonize, like the so-called assault weapon. They have to start there. But then once they've done that, well, then what have they done? Well, now they've they've created a law, whether it's a tax or a ban, they've created a law that effectively taxes or bans a semi-automatic weapon. Well, then what's to stop them from then taking that to other semi-automatics like the handgun? Nothing. And they will, but they, but they do have to start, I think, somewhere that where they're going to get, um, they think they're going to get more of a consensus. Yeah, well, they started. They started with, with fully automatic weapons in what, 1946, whatever year that right. was, right? So, yeah, and, and now, 
they point to assault, quote, assault rifles, which aren't a thing, but they, they point to things that look like fully automatic weapons, but aren't. But aren't. And fully automatic weapons are now, now everyone believes that those should be legal. So therefore, here's something that looks just like those. Oh, I don't, I don't know yeah. the difference. It looks just like it. So that should be illegal. Okay, well, now here's other stuff that operates the same as those. So that should be legal. I mean, it's a, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Um, B. Allen. Thank you. B. Allen gives 10 bucks towards my legal defense fund. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming at a great time, B. Allen. <laughs> thank you. We'll see what go- what happens with this. Daniel Morell. Thank you. Daniel says, move the super chat, Carter. I want to see Carrie's beautiful face. Thanks. Oh, that's very sweet. Uh, I think they, you know what they pile. Daniel, they pile up starting from the bottom and they run out of room if I've got more than one super chat. So they just kind of end up. This one, I put yours above her hat. So there you go. You got to see her. There uh, you go. Is that all? Of, and the reason I'm not on the all... on that side is because if Carrie's on the right side, then the Unsafe Space logo covers her chin the whole time. And no one likes that. So is that one? I'm oh, trying to maximize your Carrie viewage. Don't worry, everyone. Oh, Don't worry, guys. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, there's a lot more. I just, yeah. I Keep the hat guys next. Do wow. you want to do him? Thank you, guys. Yeah, Keith the Hack Guy says, uh, send to Biden assault rifle, noun, a black semi-automatic rifle visually appearing similar to weapons used by the military and Hollywood that may evoke fear in those with no knowledge of firearms. Is that is that Cooper's definition? It looks like Cooper's definition. Uh, I wonder where That's he got really that. That's really funny. That's exactly what it is. They they can never define what an assault. If you ever get into a discussion with someone who's for banning assault weapons, I've never successfully gotten one of them to define what assault what an assault weapon is. Andrew Joyner. Andrew Joyner says, Right, I'm off to Netflix. Catch you later and have a good evening. Have a good evening, Andrew, and thank you for joining us. Enjoy your Netflix. Uh, okay. Swiftner Braveheart again. Okay, so Swiftner's the guy who got kicked out of Walmart says the mask has become the mark. I didn't speak with anyone, but the officer and Walmart employees who chose to engage with me on camera, they refused access to essential goods or to cite a lawful statute. Yeah, that's the world we're living in now. It's freaking crazy. Yeah. And I'm sorry this happened to you. And it's it's going to take people refusing and standing up and lots of civil disobedience, like what you're doing. It, it, and I don't know if you guys saw the guy in Canada who just got arrested for operating his barbecue restaurant. And I was shocked yet again to see people in the comments celebrating it. Like this is a good thing. The government's boot on the face of the population is a good thing. They think it's a good thing. Somebody said in <clears throat> on my wall, this guy, I finally had enough and just was like, you know what? I don't need this guy in my life anymore. Unfriend. I, I, it, it takes a lot for me to unfriend you, but he's just one of those people who I, we, we are so far apart fundamentally in the way we view the world. And, and I think he has a dark heart. And he said about this guy being arrested, trying to operate his business, he said, play stupid Corona games, win stupid prizes. And I, and I was like, you know, Operating your business and trying to provide for your family is neither stupid nor a game. Right. Like where, where, what place are you operating from? That that's how you view that. You have no empathy whatsoever for the common man who's being stepped on repeatedly by the boot of government. I don't Most get of these you. People are are 
information workers who can work from home and they live in major cities and they, they're sitting at home on their computer writing crappy articles for BuzzFeed or whatever and they don't yeah. have any understanding of that. You know, I, I was, you're reminding me that the, the, I was thinking about this NPR, I don't know why I've been listening to NPR lately, but it's just fascinating sometimes to hear them. I think they're, I think they fetishize stories of people negatively affected. Um, like they, they had this whole story about this guy um, and they had he and his wife on the show. I think it sounded like he was crying. She was definitely crying um, They because they followed up with him several months later. They had, he had a business. I forget. It was a restaurant of some kind or no, a brewery. And uh, he had, he ended up having to close and he, they're like upset because, you know, He's like, well, it's not just it's not just our life. This is his livelihood, right? It's, and you know, they have kids, and you know, he they ended up having to close. And it, he was like, well, it wasn't just us. It's like all my employees, it's their livelihood, and the suppliers that I buy from that are expecting stuff. It's them, and they're affected. And I owed, I had responsibility to all these people. These people were relying on me, and blah, blah, blah. and you know, and you know, of course, NPR, but they weren't callous about it. It was this, you know heartwarming gut-wrenching horrible thing but there's never there was never any question of of why this needed to be done and and I kind of feel like it was maybe this is just a cynical side of me but part of me feels like they're this is their their celebration they're gloating over the they're like look at all the people we hurt I think about this think about this strategy the government makes it illegal for you to, to have, like the government bans you from opening your business. Then we play a sob story. We, we, we tell everyone why, like we, we make a scare on the news. We, we scare you. It's horrible. They have to do this, blah, blah, blah. Then we watch it happen to one particular person and we make a sob story out of it because it is tragic. And then the next story is going to be government has to do something to help these couples, blah, 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 like like this couple that we just aren't, don't you feel for this couple? Shouldn't the government do something? Shouldn't there be more government intervention to help these people? When it was the government that caused this problem in the first place, and it's just another way of getting more people on the dole. And when we think about, and we talked about this earlier, um, and Michael Rechtenwald is the one who brought brought this up and, and educated me about this, but uh, one of the paths to socialism, people view socialism as this, this thing that's kind of anti-business, but one of the paths to socialism is through large companies. In fact, Gillette was founded with the intent to become a one giant corporation. The idea being a corporation expands and expands and expands and expands. Think Amazon plus Google plus Facebook. Like it just starts expanding so that it takes over your whole life and eventually it merges with the state and that's how you get that's how you get socialism. Um, that's how you get state-run enterprises. And so there's definitely an, a, a strategy from the left involving companies. And I've said this a bunch of times, but I'm going to say it again because this story really made me think of it. This new, this new normal that they want is, is really only benefiting large corporations. And they're really moving this at every chance they've got. You know, they, they destroy small businesses because small businesses don't have super deep pockets to survive this kind of stuff. So, you know, you just make it a really rocky road so that these small businesses have to die. And, 
And that economic activity shifts and it shifts to large corporations who take it over. When you stop buying, uh, I don't know, whatever it is from your local store because it goes out of business, you buy it on Amazon, right? And it's just a massive wealth transfer to these large corporations. And this is not... um, I'm not I'm not conspiratorially saying this is kind of intentional, although it may be, but I am saying it certainly fits with the agenda. It certainly fits with what what they want. This the if you look at the uh the elites in charge, if you look at the look at what the World Economic Forum does, and if you look at what the deep state does, if you look at large corporations, they're all in alignment. You know, Google's not an enemy of the deep state. Google's not an enemy of the World Economic Forum. They are part of the strategy. They're part of the yeah. strategy. So um, I don't know. I, it's it's chilling to watch. And it, there's something that really is despicable for me to hear NPR show empathy for these families when I view them as complicit in the destruction of this family's lifestyle and, yeah. and their, their way of life. So. Uh, to your point, I don't think we included these stats on an episode yet. So I just sent you two images. I'm sorry, I don't have the link to the okay. Twitter. I'd send you the link. But these are uh, tweets from Dan Price. Um, and I I haven't independently confirmed these numbers myself. But this is someone I trust. So I'll just tell you what he says. Yeah. Okay. So up here. the first... <laughs> And, and I pulled these because uh, I pulled these last week because he, he's sort of saying exactly what you've been saying for a while, that this is a, a huge wealth transfer. And it's something people on the left claim to care about. Yep. So where are they? So Amazon here. Now he's talking about during the, during the uh, coronavirus response here in the States, Amazon profit up 100 percent. Walmart Profit up 80%. Target profit up 80%. Lowe's profit up 74%. Microsoft, Facebook, Apple, Google stock at a record high. Small businesses, 21% closed. Yep. Revenue for the rest down 30%. They're going to go extinct in the lockdown without help. And then the the next graph, um, the next uh, image I sent you is another tweet of his where he says, now he's just talking about the founders of the, some of these big mm-hmm. box stores. Wealth increase in the pandemic for the founder CEOs of Amazon, $91 billion. That's Jeff Bezos. That's his wealth. Just his increase during the pandemic, $91 billion. Walmart, $38 billion. Google, $37 billion. Microsoft, $33 billion. Facebook, $28 billion. Nike, $8 billion. Apple, $8 billion. Small businesses collectively lost over $200 billion. We're witnessing a record wealth transfer, which is what you're always talking about. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, well, maybe I'll, I don't want to lie. I do kind of want to say I told you so. I was going to say I don't want to say I told you so, but I kind of do like saying it sometimes. So I'm going to, I'll admit it's not so bad to say. I said this yeah. at the very beginning. I, if For those of you who are around, the very beginning of this pandemic, I said there was going to be, this was going to be a massive economic disruption that would not recover, and it was going to kill small business. I mean, I said this early. It was going to kill small businesses. Um, this was totally predictable. 
you don't and I'm not an I'm not a rocket science. I'm well, actually I was a rocket scientist. I'm not an economist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not an economist. I'm not like, you know, I don't have you don't have to be uh you know, chairman of the Fed or, you know, a, a Rothschild person to, to you know, have the, a deep understanding of, of the economy to see what's what was going to happen. It was pretty clear. Uh, I talked to several friends about it who had been paying attention as well. You could see what was going to happen with these lockdowns. This is what was going to happen. Um, and and now it's happening. And so and, and I've, you know, just as Dan Price here said, I, I said this earlier, we are witnessing a huge transfer of wealth. And um, it's not that they don't care. I think it's that they like it because it's easier to, if you want a, if you're a central planner, large corporations are much better than, like one Google is infinitely better than 400,000 small businesses you have to do. <laughs> like, yeah. it is, who wants that? It is much yeah. easier to just be able to pick up the phone and talk to one guy uh, and and move mountains rather than to move grains of sand, which is what small businesses are. They are, you know, there's there's just so many. I don't know how many small businesses and, and make up a Google, but a lot. These large corporations are these large corporations are all in bed with the deep state. I mean, Jeff right. Bezos, who owns Amazon and the Washington Post propaganda outlet, you know, he's got a contract with the CIA. Right. Where he they they Amazon builds digital something I can't. It's well, I think it's for AWS. I imagine it's da about data, yeah. right? It's about data. They work, but they work for the CIA. Jeff Bezos works for the CIA, right? And we're cool. We're all cool with that. That's public knowledge. There's been articles about it, but it's fine. And if of you look course. at the numbers of people who move back and forth between like the Hillary Clinton campaign and the executive staff of Google and vice versa. And they just, they're all in bed. All these large corporations are in bed with the deep state. And when I say deep state, I mean those people in government positions who remain, who remain. Right. Um, right. Okay. So, We're going to get far behind. So we should. Yeah. Okay. Let's do, do you have, you want to do Kilgore super chat? I've got Kilgore. Okay. Thank Go you. Ahead. Kilgore for the super chat it says, uh, this is a great awakening. It had to happen this way. The left is being forced to remove the mask. No pun intended. Yeah, I kind of, I, t I tend to agree with you. I, that's why I was saying earlier, I think that the legacy media has lost all credibility and, and hopefully more people will continue to wake up. The more blatant it gets, the more obvious it becomes. Like you yep. said, the more they remove the mask. Yeah. Um, James S. Thank you, James. Says, in the same spirit of the Kentucky resolution, and marijuana legislation, we can work with our state governors to nullify unconstitutional federal gun laws. Tenth Amendment Center has good info on this topic. Wow, thank you for the super chat. That's like the first bit of good news I, or suggestion I've heard from someone about this proposed federal gun tax. That's yep. good to know. I hadn't even considered that. Yep. That, yeah, it yeah, is you unconstitutional. Can, um, and I think some states might. I doubt the people who were. It was in, interesting in the last few years. You saw, uh, you saw some radical leftists embrace the Tenth Amendment briefly for marijuana purposes. <laughs> They're like, wow. <laughs> Look, but I, I don't think they'll be on your side. 
when they got motivated. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they might not stick with that principle when we try and apply it to guns. But yes, uh, you want to do they Red Rooster? Motivated. Red Rooster. Thank you. Says, Carrie, thanks for your show. You're a beautiful woman and always look forward to seeing your face. Thank you for the compliment. You brought a smile to my face. I like your name. I think Red Rooster is a video game company, is it? No idea. Uh, Steasley. Steasley says, while Carrie was discussing potential gun bans, I thought of the Virginia Beach shooting last year. He did it with a couple of semi-auto handguns, the Glock 21. They will come after those. Yeah, I they definitely will. The you know, you're mentioning the Virginia Beach shooting, which I'm not as familiar with, but prior to the Pulse Orlando nightclub shooting, the largest death toll in a mass shooting was Virginia Tech years ago, if you guys remember the Virginia Tech massacre. And I think he killed 34, 32 or 34 people. It was it was crazy. And he used entirely handguns. He didn't use any rifles or shotguns. And um, Wait, what about the I Vegas think, guy? Was he after the Pulse nightclub? Yeah, that was after Pulse. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but yeah, so prior prior to Pulse, that had been the uh, most tragic in terms of highest number of dead. And I I often thought about that when I heard them pushing for all this assault, you know, assault rifle bans and stuff, because it's like a lot of people rely on what I think obviously is a very weak argument, which is that you won't see mass shootings if you get rid of rifles. Well, that's BS. You know, Virginia Tech used only handguns. And to think that people who want to do that kind of mass harm to people, to other people, would not just use handguns. And of course they would. It, it's a faulty argument is what I'm saying to say, oh, if you get rid of the rifle, then we'll get rid of these kind of ill-intentioned people going out and hurting people. Yes, it's also, yeah, it's that's a faulty argument, and it's not even the right. It's a faulty argument because it's not. It, it doesn't. That's not how rights work. Like, yeah. I, you, you could say if we get rid of cars, there'll be fewer deaths on the highway. True. That is true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is that true. Is true. You will. Uh, in fact, if you close all your businesses and never let anyone out of their houses ever, you will have fewer COVID deaths. True. That is true. But that's not how right. Still not an argument. <laughs> Swiftner Braveheart gives us another super chat and says, I refused to disclose HIPAA and management had the police escort me out to charge trespass and ban me from all Walmarts. I refused to provide identification unless detained or arrested, you. and I walked. Yeah, good well, for you. Good for you for not giving them ID. That sounds awful. I wonder. I wonder what state you're in. I, I mean, wonder if it would be. It's illegal. Here. I think it's illegal for them to even require HIPAA, like for to ask for HIPAA. To ask uh, for it, yeah. Information, I could, but I don't know. I'm not an expert. You want to do Hermit Rush? Hermit Rush says, "I've been reading a book about anti gravity. I just can't put it down." <laughs> oh. Oh, I see what you did there. Thank you. I like I like a a good pun. Actually, when I was young, I was when I was young, I was like super into anti gravity. I read who was the guy? There was some Thomas Townsend Brown. All this like probably pseudoscience garbage. I mean, I'm sure pseudoscience garbage, but I I read all this. 
stuff about, I think I read books about the Philadelphia experiment and like all this anti-gravity stuff. I probably believed in aliens. I don't remember. Fun stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You want to do Pirate Pirate Tomsky? Pirate Tomsky says, Nerdrotic released a video of the interview with Carrie called Knitting Wars, and it's one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. Worth a watch. Oh, thanks. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I know they cut it. They cut it up and for their new channel. Uh, so if you guys want to see that appearance and, and see like a short version of it, uh, check that out. Thank you, Pirate. I really like those guys. I know I've said it before. It's just right now I'm enjoying a bit of detaching from the news a little bit because again a lot of it's propaganda and i i just don't i don't think that uh my level of investment is going to have much of a difference in the outcome of these fraud investigations anyway so i've been kind of pulling back because of thanksgiving but i've really enjoyed watching the neurotic show and some of the shows of the other guys that are regulars on there and just kind of immersing myself in pop culture plus we're going to be doing this show with mystery chris which is all about pop culture and it's kind of fun and you know, a little bit of a break, although it is about wokeness. Uh, C Jones says barbecue lunches matter. (laughs) Hi, by the way, happy Thanksgiving. C Jones, uh, barbecue lunches matter. BLM haven't seen this in legacy media. I'm sure if it was a BLM rally, I would have the irony. Yep. Somebody says, Carrie unfriended me. I'm that guy. I think you're joking because Sean Awesome says that, and I haven't unfriended anyone named Sean that I know of. Uh, Matt Deckard, now we all need, now all we need is a vaccine to be required monthly and for the government to be the only one who produces and distributes it. (laughs) Nothing creepy about that. Are we caught up? Thank you, guys. Uh, I I don't see that when you do it. Uh, Kay says, I'm an ex-SJW, like Carrie. Y'all helped set me free back in March. Thanks for the wake up. Seriously, y'all pretty much slapped me upside my face with truth. (laughs) I hope it was a a loving, gentle caress rather than a slap, but welcome. Uh Kay, let me just say welcome and thank you for sending a message and letting me know. I love, there's so many of us leaving social justice. I mean, I meet more of us all the time, and that's one of the reasons I do have hope about people waking up, even even when they're deeply entrenched in it like I was. And uh, one of the things I was saying recently is is uh, I'm in this SJW group, or I was in my hometown, and I finally said something, and I haven't said anything in there because I've just been kind of watching how the belief system is encroaching in my town and then the city council and stuff. And uh, But they had a big shaming last week a big uh mobbing of one of the group members it's called and a struggle they, session a struggle session <laughs> and and you guys who've been following along with this you've seen this now countless times like in the knitting world and stuff but they it was a typical sjw pile on they all piled on this guy in the group and what was interesting was that he's a white guy and he's speaking their language he's he's i i have white privilege i have this but i'm they piled on him because he used the phrase young lady to refer to someone because he's an old guy and they, and they got upset and he said, I don't understand. She she is a young lady and I'm an old man. And they said, no, that that's uh, to call someone a young lady is a slur. And also she then came in and said, I'm not a woman. And he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you're a man. I, your name is female. And she's like, I'm not a man either. I'm not a woman or a man. And he's, he's basically, I don't understand because he's older. (laughs) 
So they said he misgendered, he used a slur, uh, he doxed, he didn't dox. They use that word to mean, they don't use that word correctly. (laughs) Yeah. And they said, oh, he threatened her very life and the life of her children. He invalidated her her existence. Zer children, right? So anyway, there was this very public uh, witch hunt of this guy and they ultimately threw him out of the group while he was busy thanking them for the education they were giving him. And so finally I said, you know, I think it's time just to out myself and say what I think about social justice and stuff. And cause I think there might be some people in this group who are starting to question it. Yep. And so I did a, I did my, uh, little speech in there. I just posted, you know, um, you might have one of these groups in your town. They're called Courageous Conversations. It's a whole program. It's a whole social justice program. You can get certified as a Courageous Conversations counselor. It's a it's a whole social justice, DIE, diversity, inclus- inclusivity, and equity um, swamp. And so anyway, I, I said something in there about, you know, Courageous Conversations is not about courage or conversations and went on to talk about you know, why I left social justice ideology and what, what I believed it was for two decades versus what I know it to be now. And this is, I promise this coming back to your comment, Kay. But one of the things I said to them was my opinion on and position on racism and sexism has not changed. (laughs) Obviously I oppose those things. In fact, that's why I so vehemently oppose my old belief system because it took my good intent it took my opposition to racism and sexism, and it used that to turn me into a mouthpiece for those very things, to push those very things, thinking I was working to end them. And I did have some people contact me from the group. I said, you know, if you want to talk more, find, you know, drop me a line. And I had people, you said I was being the Pied Piper of the group. Yeah, I called you the Pied Piper. <laughs> Yeah, there are people starting to question it. And they're not at the place I'm at in terms of questioning it. I'm sure there are certain tenets of it that they still believe in that I don't. Like even when I started coming out of it, it's a slow process. You don't just wake up overnight. You don't just, you know, have an encounter or go to an event or something and then be like, oh, I don't believe that anymore. No, it was like a long two-year period. I mean, you're still uh, not a libertarian. You're still going. (laughs) I don't know what I am. But anyway, long story short, I am very happy to meet you. I think there are a lot of people with very good intent who get sucked into social justice because they believe what they're told it's about. And they really do want to have a meaningful life and do something to end bigotry. And unfortunately, they've been manipulated by this ideology and to pushing those very things. So anyway, thank you. Nice to meet you, Kay. (laughs) Yep. Can I, uh, can I share with you, did you see the thing that Andrew Cuomo said about COVID being your own fault? No. I share this with you. Uh, I'm going to try and get audio to work here too. Here we go. Let me know if you can hear this. Or if you can't hear it, let me know. I guess it's better. And just to make it very simple, if you socially distanced and you wore a mask and you were smart, none of this would be a problem. It's all self-imposed. 
it's all self-imposed. If you didn't eat the cheesecake, you wouldn't have a weight problem. It's all self-imposed. So, he got, I, I can't believe I'm about to say that Andrew Cuomo got me thinking, but Andrew, Andrew Cuomo got me thinking about something. Because um, I saw him say that, and I saw, um, there was also, did you see CBS did a, a piece on Parler? No, but we knew this was coming. <clears throat> they did a piece on Parler. It wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't like it's all Nazis or anything. Um, but they did cite, they had um, Tristan, what's his last name? Harris. Tristan Harris, the guy from the Social Dilemma movie who's, he's runs some social media policy guy, oh. institute thing. They had him on saying like he was worried about, uh, worried about um, echo chambers on Parler because they don't fact check and fact checking is very important and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to agree with Andrew Cuomo sort of just for a minute because I know it's Ooh. offensive, but I'm going to agree with him. <laughs> okay. Because there's a recurring message that we're seeing, and we're seeing it um, – lately we're seeing it about two particular things, although we see it about a lot of different things generally. Um, and that message is that people are too stupid to make good decisions for themselves. And yeah. Cuomo's point with this message is with respect to COVID behavior. Well, you know, if you just do the things I told you to do, I wouldn't have to get more draconian. Like, it's kind of a, uh authoritarian father kind of message. You're not obeying, so you gotta, you're you grounded for another week. It's all self-imposed. Didn't, right? didn't his brother get it? Not probably. Um, yeah. It, it, don't, hypocrisy is not a okay. thing that we can use against them okay. ever. They don't care. Um, and, uh, and you also see it with social media, right? People aren't... Uh, they're too stupid to determine what's true and what's not. They're, they need fact checkers. They need some kind of thing here. And it's, you know, it's easy to push back on this stuff because it's so offensive. I mean, if you're a normal person, if you're, especially if you're in this audience, right, you don't fall into the category of someone probably who's too stupid to do this stuff. So you get offended. You look at this and you're like, that's just an offensive thing to say. But you know what? Um, they're right. Often, often people are too stupid to make good decisions. That is true. Often many people, not everyone, often many people are too stupid to make good decisions for themselves. That is true. Um, but here's the caveat. The principle of self-ownership means that we respect their right to be wrong even to the point of death, we respect their right to make bad decisions. That's what respecting someone is. That's what individual rights are. That's what self-ownership is. You respect them. So the evil here, I looked at this and I thought about like the evil here is not in Cuomo encouraging people to do things that he thinks will be better. Like it's not evil to say, you should wear masks and you should socially distance. I mean, you may disagree about the validity of that. That's all fine. You can have those arguments. But it's not evil for someone to stand up and say, you should do these things and you should save grandma and the blah, blah, blah. And like, that's fine. Or it's not evil to say, hey, you should verify your sources on social media. Don't believe anything that's posted and be careful. And there's lots of hoaxes out there and, you know, blah, blah, blah. The evil comes when you deny self-ownership to people 
And when you stop arguing that you should listen to experts and you pick up a gun and you demand that you must listen to experts. Yes. There's a huge difference because, between those two things. Because, you know, he's not saying um, he's not making this argument that people are too stupid to make good choices to roll out his plan to uh, prevent you from ordering McDonald's or, you know, to oh. prevent. Oh, and and there are some politicians who who've taken it that far. I mean, Bloomberg. Bloomberg yeah, was, was instituting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he had taxes on sodas, I think. Right. And yeah, I smoking think and other things that he felt were bad for you. And he's even yes. on the record for, uh, saying that uh, that taxes are on poor people are good because it, uh, you know, poor people. I, I'm going to paraphrase. They're too stupid to the spend just, their own money. Yes. The gist of what he was saying is that it's good. It helps poor people when you tax things that are bad for them because they're too dumb about what they're going to buy. Yep. Um, but. Cuomo's not making that. He's he. It's like picking and choosing and saying you're too dumb to make the right decisions when it comes to a virus. So the state is going to mandate and force you. We're going to restrict your rights and we're going to force you to behave in a certain way. But we're not going to do the same thing when it comes to you smoking or drinking or eating Big Macs every day or whatever it is that, that we think is well. Not I mean, good I, for you. I think I mean I think all all of those would be bad, and I think they're all on the table, even in New York. Um, but I mean. And, and you see this from the World Economic Forum a lot, the same kind of attitude, right? What makes it evil is that they're violating people's right to self-ownership and they're treating people like pets. And the other thing I want to point out here is um, there are no experts in this equation. Um, when you say you must <laughs> you must listen to the experts, yeah, experts means rulers because experts mm -hmm. are just people who know a lot. But experts can't make you do anything. Only rulers can make you, like rulers have guns. Rulers can make you do something. Experts can't make you do anything. Only people with physical power can make you do something. And those people choose the experts. There's always experts, quote experts, that have opinions about things. So the experts are always the experts that are aligned with whatever the people in power want. Whatever they're pushing, happen. yeah. Yeah, so. This is not, it's not, there is no such thing as rule by expertise. There is only rule by power. Only rule by power. And I want to get that out of your head. That's the idea that like, well, there's experts that can teach us or can rule us somehow. There's no such thing as rule by experts. There is only rule by power. There's only rule by power. There's no rule by expertise. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I, I was looking at this, and I know a lot of people are offended by this, and they, they, they say um, they might wonder to themselves, like, how can people tolerate this violation of self-ownership over something like COVID, right? And you brought up they're not doing it over this or whatever. But my point here is um, you probably – you're probably in the category of people many of us are. You probably conceded this point a long time ago. Um, you agreed that there are some things that are so important that they justified the right to some, to violate someone's self-ownership. You did it with the war on drugs. You said, well, people shouldn't be allowed to inject heroin because that's really bad. And don't give me arguments about like, oh, well, we just want to make sure that drug crazed bus drivers weren't killing, you know, school children. You can, you can have, uh, rules about actions and consequences like you can have 
strict rules about violence against people and behavior and not let drugs be an excuse or even make drugs a compounding factor and, and make it automatically intent if they were on. Like you can do things to combat the consequences of drugs. The argument was you're too stupid to not inject heroin into your eyeballs, therefore heroin needs to be legal. You did it with Social Security, boomers. You're too stupid to save for retirement, so we're going to save for you. You've conceded the point philosophically that your rights are a gift from the government. You conceded it a long time ago. And once you've conceded that point philosophically, you've lost. You lost. You're in the world of pragmatism. There is nothing that can't be argued. Kerry, you're saying like, well, why don't they stop people from eating McDonald's? What makes you think they're not going to stop people from eating McDonald's? They absolutely will go down that road. They've already taxed soda. They will. They will do that because there is nothing stopping them because the point has been conceded. And what they did, and I just want to, I want to, I want to steer people back to what I think is the right direction here. Even if you don't agree with the principles, I want you to agree that principles are important because what they did, how they got you to do this was by introducing pragmatism. They picked on evil ideologies. They pointed to the wicked principles that those ideologies were built upon. And they used those ideologies to smear the concept of principles as such. And they, they introduced this concept that, well, you got to be pragmatic. No principle is, you can't just have a principle and always stick to it. That's radical. That's fanatical. That's extremism. And the examples they used were people like Stalin or Hitler, who were, had evil principles that they adhered to. So, but they used that to try and convince you that principles as such were bad and that you needed to be more, quote, pragmatic, and you bought it, right? Because when life is comfortable, you know, principles seem like luxuries. You can get away with it. But what you did is you cut your oxygen line, and you've been floating around in space ever since, and it's inevitable that you will run out of oxygen. Don't be surprised that you're running out of oxygen. You cut your line. And if you want to save yourself, and you want to save America, you need to rediscover discover the importance of principles. You need to reconnect to a foundation. And you need to say principles, the right principles are inviolate. The right principles can never be violated. That's what makes them principles. They are summations of fundamental truths about morality and about reality. And they can't be violated. We should not allow them to be violated. Because so, otherwise, this COVID thing, it's just one more ratchet. It's going to keep going. They'll get to McDonald's. They'll get to your steak. The World Economic Forum is already talking about, we'll be vegetarians in 2030. We'll eat less meat. Like, they'll get to everything. Everything. Sorry. Okay. You will look like you want to say so something. What is the, well, what's the principle that you think? Somebody in the chat said, here comes Carter's... Um, uh, anarchism. Uh, I'm actually not even going to push for anarchism because I, the reason <laughs> that I can be friends with uh, I, a bunch of libertarians and minarchists is because we agree on the principle of self-ownership and the principles of individual rights. And we have a disagreement on the implementation. And I think there's valid disagreements there because uh, I argue that the government necessarily infringes those. And I think the counter their counter arguments are yes but 
Um, the alternative also infringes. And like our goal, we have an aligned goal, which is to not infringe on those rights and to figure out a way to not infringe on those rights. And so we can disagree about the specifics. There are libertarians who believe that, for example, that um, the government should be funded. The government can do a bunch, you know, some stuff, but should be funded voluntarily. And like that gets rid of the violation of property rights inherent in forced taxation. Is that better? Yeah. Like, I don't like you can argue over a bunch of stuff. So I, I'm not here so, to make an anarchist argument. I'm here to get you to find principles that you can hold fast to and stop compromising them on them. So this is a, a super chat. It's not in order, but I'm going to read it now because it gets to the meat of my question and probably a yep. lot of people's questions for you. Mm -hmm. Kay gave us another super chat and she says, R.E. Stupid Choices. If they choose to live on cake and cigarettes and we, the taxpayers, end up paying their $200,000 medical bills, is this okay? So we tax soda, et cetera. So uh, okay. the question here, in, yep. and I think a lot of people have this, is that they do believe that there are certain circumstances where we should infringe. And I'm using the word infringe to mean it can mean a tax as well, an additional tax on something that you're choosing to do. Yeah. Um, that the government should infringe for the interests of the public good. Well, if you and believe that, the, the prop. Wait, wait. Let me finish. The difference is, and and I've found this when I talk to people who believe in the that we should do the mask mandates, and I'll ask them, well, why, why, and well, this particular virus, why this one? Well, they can never really explain why this one, but they're always like, but it's much because it's much worse. We've all collectively apparently decided it's much worse. But I'm like, okay, so what, but how do you quantify that where your line is? Where should the government be able to come in and restrict your rights as a citizen? Is it, is it at this line or this line or this line? And, and how do you determine that in the future if it's bad enough, right? And a lot of people can't define that. Well, and it's undefinable. I can't, right, it's undefinable. I've, I had trouble because I'm one of those people who my opinions on this are changing. So I don't know exactly what I think anymore. But at the beginning of this whole thing, I was one of those people who you might even remember said, we talked about it and I disagree with you. And I said, no, I do mm -hmm. believe the government should be able to do this, just not for this. I don't think this is bad enough. Right. Um, and then, and I think you asked me to define what is bad enough and I really couldn't. People people can't. Like, right. Well, that's so, so, right. yeah. So how do you answer that question about, um, you know, Why for the public good? Like, right. So, I mean, there's a you, you, there's a whole bunch of stuff packed in there. Let's put the public good stuff aside for a moment because it's a loaded term, um, which we can talk about. But uh, what you're doing is you're saying, well, I have to I have to infringe these rights because other rights have been infringed. Right. So you've you've created a system like why are you paying for someone else's health care involuntarily? Why the hell are you paying for their health care? Like, if you're voluntarily paying for their health care, then by all means, voluntarily don't buy their soda. Like, if if I'm paying for your health care, then yes, I can tell you that uh, I don't want you to smoke, right? If I'm your insurance provider, then I can say, yeah, if you want this cheap rate, you've got to abide by these rules. You can't you can't smoke 12 packs a day, or your rates are gonna or I'm gonna drop you. Right? Or if you're yeah. their dad and you're paying for your kid's health care. Sure, and whatever. Smoking. If it's if it's an arrangement right. where I'm paying voluntarily, but what you're at you're what you're saying is, well, I'm being forced at gunpoint to pay for other people's 
sicknesses. Therefore, they better be freaking healthy and make smart decisions. I would agree with you. You are being forced to do that. And it's unfair. But what you need to do to fight that is to fight it on principle. Because otherwise, as you have noticed, there is no argument against anything at that point. You have, you've failed. You can't define what, what virus is okay, what's not. And what they do is they pack all of this vagary into terms like public good. And public good is intentionally undefinable. It's definable by the people who get to propose things and who are in power. Public good, is it the public good to not, you know, to have mask mandates? I don't know. What the hell does that mean? To your point, does everybody remember when all of the experts, again, they trot out the experts that agree with whatever, those in power trot out the experts that agree with what they want. All the experts said, <coughs> excuse me, that the protests against the lockdown were not in the interest of the public good and that they were spreading COVID and they should be shut down and nobody should be out protesting lockdowns. Right. And then as soon as the BLM protests started in the summer in June, July, they trotted out. I crap you not. If you haven't seen this, this is the best part. This go, is so funny. Go look it up. <laughs> they trotted out this whole list of experts, medical experts say that it's in the interest of the public good to be protesting on behalf of racial against racial uh, injustice. And therefore people should be out in the streets protesting and don't worry about COVID because the trade-off here is greater. It's more in the public goods interest right. to be in the streets protesting for this cause. I couldn't right. believe they, they gaslit us that way and people just swallowed it. They said well, this, it was on the news. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend if you haven't seen the video that I did on public good, go watch it if you're confused about public good. But the the, the public good is is intentionally undefinable, um, and it's been used to to perpetrate some of the worst horrors on humanity in history. Um, in fact, there's a website you can go to. Uh, what is it? Twentieth century democide. Uh, just so you know, last century governments killed 262 million people. So you know, not a big deal. I guess. Look, and probably, and I don't know the percentage of those that were in the name of public good, but I would guess 100% were in the name of public good. Um, so look, I, the, the people will say, well, it's the greatest number of good for the greatest number of people. Okay, so your morality is math. Who gets to decide what's good for someone? You? Dr. Fauci? Trump? CNN? Right? If, if self-ownership, if people own themselves, they decide what's good for them. Which means that the concept of public good is a it's a corrupt concept. It's not even a valid philosophic concept because it can't be defined. It's a, it's an invalid concept. And it but it's used, and it's used because it hides all manner of sin. It hides all anything can be attributed to the public good. Anything. So yeah, I mean, and someone I saw someone in chat say this is why government healthcare is bad. Yeah, of course. Right. If 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 the government, if I've got to pay for your health care, suddenly shouldn't I have a right to tell you how to live your life? I, I guess I should. Right. But, the, you know, this is how this is how farm animals live, not humans. This is how farm animals live. If you if you want to live like a human, you have to accept personal responsibility, accept self-ownership and demand that other people accept self-ownership. And that means 
they can do dumb things and you shouldn't have to pay for the, they should pay for the consequences of those dumb things. Absolutely. And sometimes those consequences will be severe. They might even be death, right? If someone's like, well, you know, I, I believe, uh, I can jump out of an airplane without a parachute and like, oh, okay. Like they can make that decision. Uh, but it will result in death. Um, or, you know, I can eat Tide Pods all day long. Like, sure, people will make dumb decisions. But um, it's it's amazing to me how, how, how many people will quote the, I don't know if it's even properly attributed to Benjamin Franklin, but uh, the when you exchange a little bit of safety for a little bit of liberty, you end up with neither. With neither. And, yeah. Uh, you deserve and end up with neither, whatever it is, something like that. I'm paraphrasing. They'll quote that out of one side of their mouth. But then the very next thing will be, well, how do we how do we stop people from doing blah blah blah? How do we keep them safe from blah blah blah? blah? It's like, okay, well, <laughs> shut up. You can't you can't have it both ways. You either want to quote keep people safe from everything, or you want liberty. Those are your choices. Do yeah. I want to keep people safe in the sense that I want to recommend things? Yeah. Like if Cuomo was out saying you should do these things and this is why, and I'm gonna just make a vehement argument. Okay. If if Cuomo were a charity saying, I'm only gonna support people with my with money that I'm donating via, you know, from the charity to people if they follow these rules, okay. If he were a business saying, I've chosen to only let people with masks into my store, okay. But he's not. The thing that makes Andrew Cuomo different from all of those other people is he wields the power of a gun. He wields the power of the state. And so that's not what he's doing. He's denying people the right to self-ownership. There's a thing in Montessori. I, sorry, I know I'm on a uh, rant, but there's a Montessori thing that I want to throw out there. It seems unrelated, but I think you'll get how it's related. Um, when Maria Montessori was studying uh, kids um, and developing her methods, she – I don't remember if this was a classroom that like – I think she was observing someone else teach this classroom. And there was a kid who was kind of short and couldn't see. Uh, something was happening in the, in the front or whatever, and he couldn't see. And the kid was trying to figure out a way around this. Now, there was a chair that the kid, I guess, could have grabbed or whatever that was next to him that he was going to grab and stand on. But the teacher saw. The teacher saw that the kid couldn't see. So the teacher ran over and grabbed the chair and put him on the chair. And... Maria Montessori admonished this teacher for this and said, the problem is you just denied that child the ability to solve his own problem, which means you denied him the satisfaction from learning that he can solve his own problems, right? Because you just took care of, you just took care of his problem for him. And that is bad. You need to let the kids take care of, you need to help them, sure, when they, if they're, you know, you, you know, guide them. But it's better to let someone figure out how to solve their problem on their own. It gives them a better sense of self-efficacy and self-esteem at the end of the day if they've figured out how to solve their problem by themselves rather than you stepping in to solve it. Um, so if you want a society full of vigilant citizens who are rugged individualists who vote the way that you want, i.e. vote for more liberty, well... That needs to be a group of people who take personal responsibility and stop asking other people to 
pay for their health care. Like those don't those those things don't coexist. You don't get to live in a society with freedom and free health care. You do not. They don't coexist. They could coexist for a time. You can live on borrowed time for a little while, but they don't coexist long term. They don't. Because if I have to pay for your health care, you better damn well know I'm going to care about what you put in your body. Because I don't want to pay for your smoking habit. And everyone feels that way. And it's understandable. I'll stop ranting. I liked it. It made me think a little bit of uh, the Jordan Peterson's book, the the um, not the Maps of Meaning, uh, 12 Rules for Life, where he talks about giving children responsibility you know, at a young age, letting them set the table, Yes. you know, giving them that accomplishment, not, not doing everything for them, but yes. letting them problem solve and learn how to do things on their own instead of this idea of, you know, taking care of everything for them so that they never have to, to learn, which I think it, it seems like we've gotten to where parents in the past generation or two anyway, have done more and more and more for children to even later in yes. life. Um, I've Carrie, I think without, I've mentioned this before. I know an adult yeah. who was never allowed to fail growing up. Her parents, they literally, I mean, they were ahead of their time. They, they would not let her participate in any com, uh, competitive sports because they didn't want ever a failure. She went, they sent her to special schools where there were no grades. No, she no. grew up to be an adult. Guess what? She's most afraid of as an adult. Failure. Failure. Yeah. She's afraid to do anything because yeah. she never learned yeah. how to fail. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's so good. damaging, but it's done in the name of, of you know, protecting the kids. Plus, I think he, I think it was Peterson in that same chapter, maybe. And if not, it was somewhere else. I read it about um, how, you know, being put in old age, being put into a nursing home usually um, – coincides with once you're there, you know, declining, um, self-esteem and, you know, being able to do things on your own. And so there were these studies with nursing homes to see what would help, um, people's mental outlook, their emotional outlook and their, you know, keep depression to a minimum. And, um, yeah, I think it was Peterson talked about this, how they, if, if they gave them pets to take care of, gave responsibility to people that they were Mm. still in charge of and doing something and having, you know, uh, a sense of accomplishment and something that it greatly improved the lifespan of people as well. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, in one of the, I mean, there's kind of that happiness of like fleeting pleasure kind of happiness, but one of the, I think one of the things that I don't know if I would call it happiness or a level of contentment or whatever, but there's like a level of I'll say happiness or contentment that you get in, in life knowing that you are competent to deal with the world and that you, you've accomplished something to get you where you are and that you that's it's your doing that has brought you to yeah. some level of success, whatever that success is, whether it's financial or relationship wise or whatever it is. Um, it's uh, that's how that's how actual self-esteem, not fake self-esteem. That's how actual self-esteem is built. It's built through accomplishing something it's built through doing it's built through showing yourself psychologically that you are capable of dealing with the world um and someone else doing stuff for you teaches you the opposite it teaches you that you're not capable of dealing with the world and 
just to, to circle back to where we came from at the beginning, go, I mean, go look at, I've been watching the World Economic Forum's Twitter lately. They tweet a lot. Just look at their attitude. These are, these are elitist central planners who truly believe that they have a noblesse oblige because you are too stupid to do anything for yourself. And their job is to design a system where, whereby the, the stupid cattle are happy because you're just idiots. You're, you're useless, pathetic idiots that, and you need them to design some system for you so that you'll, you'll be happy. That's, that's what they a, think of themselves and of you. So th this is not a super chat. It's just a chat from a new viewer, by the way. Okay. Hi. I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Says, uh, that sounds like social Darwinism, though, because the disabled cannot often provide for their own health care is the choice only to let them die. And before you answer, Carl, I'll just say this is why I still do believe in as, as so the social safety net and and I, I bet I, you probably disagree with me. I don't know if you do, but I still believe sure. in, um, you know, the government providing some kind of help for people who legitimately can't provide for themselves. I don't. Um, you don't. Absolutely not. Uh, because as soon as the as soon as you've got a bureaucracy, I mean, let's put aside the moral argument I just made about sticking to principles. So. Where the hell is the government going to get the money to do this? They're going to steal it from someone else. Like, I guess if you had a charity government, I guess, sure, if people were going to voluntarily contribute to a government that took care of people at that level, I guess I might be OK with it. But, um, uh, you know, put the principal argument aside, just since a lot of people like pragmatism, as soon as you get a bureaucracy that is built upon finding people who can't take care of themselves, guess what they're going to find? more and more of over the next several decades and generations, more and more people who can't take care of themselves. <laughs> like that's how you breed people who can't take care of themselves is you get the government to help them. How you actually help them is through private charity. And I, people will balk at private charity like, well, I don't think private charity would work. That's a bunch of bull crap. Look at history and look at how much money goes through private charity even now. Even now, even if you pay half your money in taxes, there's still a crap ton of private charity okay. out there. There's okay. plenty of private charity to take care of people for that stuff. Okay, let me jump in for a second. You're making me reconsider my position because you're right. I have seen private charity work, and I've mentioned it before, but here in Austin, there's a place called Community First that is completely privately funded. I think it's it's a Christian organization, and it's uh, it's a community for the homeless, and they have about 200 beds, if I recall correctly tiny houses and mobile homes and they um they've actually done it right like they they focus on trying to rehabilitate the homeless back into the community they have to pay a meager amount in rent so they're actually like you said personal responsibility making a living personal, in some way it's accountable it's, it's accountable it's, and it's very personalized they they also integrate them into the community by having events and stuff at community first you can go there and watch a show or, you know, play game night or whatever with the residents who live there and they're meeting people. They're not just staying with the homeless, right? Like it's That's right. And they're not homeless anymore because they're living in community at community first. And so I, I know that it's done so well that, um, last year or the year before the California government sent some people out to take a tour 
and try to get some ideas. And I remember thinking, yeah, you're not going to be able to re reproduce this because you're the, the government. The idea is to not tax people for this and just do it through yeah. voluntary contributions. Yeah. Because look, when you're voluntarily contributing to, especially at a local level, I mean, at local levels, you get a lot more control, right? When you're voluntary, if it's your church, churches are great at this, right? When it's your church, let's say a church, a, a I don't know, a medium-sized church has got a congregation of what, a couple hundred people, a few hundred people that regularly go. When you're contributing through the church, that's not a huge community. You might be sponsoring just a couple people, right? You might be helping out just a couple people in your community. You're going to be pretty careful about who you select. And like, if, if, if you're sponsoring the town drunk and he just continues to not try to improve at all and, and just goes on crime sprees every week and shows up and it's like, give me my damn check. I am owed it. Like, yeah, you're going to stop sponsoring him. Like you, you, you take a personal interest in the people that you sponsor and you take a personal interest in how to help them psychologically. Everyone's different, what they need, what their problems are. So the idea that this stuff can't be solved um, except through forcibly stealing money from some people and running it through some goddamn bureaucracy and spinning it out the other end is stupid. It's a dumb idea. Well, yeah, and somebody in the chat said, I'm sorry, it's moving kind of fast, but somebody said... Uh... A lot of charities are scams are a massive scam. Well, yeah, some of them are, but not all of them. In fact, some in are, fact, yeah. what I would, in my experience, a lot of, the, well, the social justice nonprofits I used to work with are total scams. They're not actually helping anyone. Uh, they're just pushing ideology and making a lot of money for the people at the top. But chair, there are some charities I've seen that actually do great work and that this would be one. It's the community first. It's, they also run something called a loaves and fishes where they take food around. It's like a mobile um, food truck and they take food around the homeless. And, but it, I, I don't think that that organization is a scam. It just depends. Of course there will be some that aren't, but right. And look, and the, um, and the path I would say to this, if you're not fully convinced is how about you move? Can, can you make, can you agree that it would be better done at the state level than the federal level? Right. And once you wrap your head around that and you see that that's true, then you'll realize it can be done better at the county level than at the state level. <laughs> and then you realize it can be better done in towns than in the county. And pretty soon you realize it's better done in small private organizations. And uh, I, I want to say one thing about charities uh, for people who donate to charities, which I'm sure a lot of you do. Uh, be careful. Well, if you're of the libertarian, if you're on the libertarian end of the spectrum at all, be careful about the charities you donate to in terms of what they use their money for. I discovered, this probably 15 years ago when I started looking at this, it, it, it radically changed how I donated money. Um, a lot of charities, especially large ones, use a substantial portion of their money not to do anything but to lobby Congress for more tax dollars. So I was horrified to discover that, you know, I was a libertarian at the time and I was horrified to discover that I thought I was doing this, hey, I'm doing the private charity thing. I'm like, no, actually I'm funding my enemies. I'm, I'm giving money to someone so that they can go try and tax me more. Like that is screwed up. Uh, be very careful. A lot of large charities do that. I would recommend only donate to, I would try and donate to small local charities if you're going to do anything. 
uh, like that, do small local charities, and definitely make sure they're not spending their money trying to <laughs> increase the size and bureaucracy of the state. Uh, yeah. But a lot of them do. Someone just said United Way. They're a big one on uh, spending your money to lobby, right? <laughs> they're a big one. So. Okay. Let's we, do some super chats. You guys, thanks for the super chats. We need to get caught up. There's been quite a few. All right. Carter, you scroll back. Well, M Tax Shark is the next one I see. Uh, I think it's the Go oldest ahead. one. And it just says, thanks, Carrie and Carter. That's a, a nice, easy oh, thank one. Thank you. Thank you, M Tax Shark. And I know there's a gap between M Tax Shark and the next. So here we go. Uh, Esoteric Agenda. Do you see that one, Carrie? Esoteric Agenda says, saw the family yesterday. My mom is highly skeptical of most mainstream media talking points. But what shocked me was she thought the reason businesses boarded up was because Trump supporters were going to riot if he lost. <laughs> <coughs> maybe maybe that's what MSNBC is telling her. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's so absurd. It's so absurd. See, even your mom, who doesn't really, isn't really that plugged in, it people get this kind of... Uh, programming casually you pick it up casually you know you're at the airport cnn's playing you're you even have to watch it regularly you just pick up on the narrative but yeah by the way i I don't know if anyone will like this but uh, i'm just gonna say it i don't think i was thinking it i was so i was talking to someone yesterday about civil war um because it was like what's gonna happen and there's you know the country's very divided and this is gonna you know what civil war would be bad but the real threat isn't civil war. The real threat is attrition. The real threat is that we just do nothing and we just keep puttering our way to communism. That's the threat. The threat is that they turn the water on the pot up a little bit more and the frog boils a little bit more. The threat isn't a civil war. That would suck, but at least it would be a change of direction. Um, the threat is that we don't do a civil war, but, but remain complacent. You know, the, the big risk is that we don't do civil war and don't turn around, but we just kind of remain complacent and march ourselves off to socialism uh, with a stupid smile on our face. <clears throat> or maybe whispering begrudgingly under our breath that this sucks, but I'm getting on the boxcar because what are you going to do? Uh, all right. Another Austin Jen Mellon. just, just said, uh, uh-huh. another Jen, this is not a super chat, but she just uh-huh. said, my sister thinks all the riots are white supremacists. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. It's so effective. It's so, it, it, yep. you don't even have to be plugged into it uh, on a drip. You know, you can just pick it up casually. Okay, so Austin Austin Mellon says, uh, long live unsafe space, huzzah. Thank you, Austin. Thank uh, you, Austin Mellon. Let's see. There's a lot, so you have to do the next few because I can't scroll back that far. All right. The next one's Pirate Tomsky. Again. Uh, hey, Pirate Tomsky. Pirate Tomsky gives us five pounds and says, if you're too stupid to live in my state and vote for me whilst I force you into a nursing home, then that's your fault. <laughs> I think he's channeling Andrew Cuomo. Keith the Hat Guy. Keith the Hat Guy says, two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the universe. And that's a quote from Albert <laughs> Einstein. <laughs> yeah. That's I a like quote. a good quote. That's a great quote. Uh, 
He had some funny ones. Let's see. Okay. So Here we go. K Soleil is back. Your friend K. Carrie. Oh, I and, think that's the one I already read. Uh, is it? Are you stupid choices? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Oh, Kay. yeah. If they we choose to live on cake one. and cigarettes. Yeah, we did. Okay. So the next one is as anybody. Did you see that one? Nope. Anybody says, Carrie, it's okay to unplug. Being happy is the best revenge. Thanks. Very true. It is okay. I say that to everyone. You should unplug once in a while. You can't get a constant. You can't be, you know, constantly plugged into all the goings on of the world. You have to step back, get offline for a while at least. Some people are much better at it than me, gotten rid of their social media and stuff. But I just go off of it every once in a while. Gary Thomas gives us five bucks and say, didn't Cuomo also say recently that mainstream media were outright hostile to elected officials, example Trump, with little justification and are a disgrace? Uh, doesn't sound like something he would say unless he was not meaning Trump, but himself. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I didn't, I hadn't heard that. Um, I'd be surprised if he was saying that they're hostile to Trump, but maybe, uh, maybe there's a moment of clarity. Uh, John Martin. Yeah. John Martin says the technocrat, the, sorry, the technocracy, technocracy, I'm not sure how to say that word. The technocracy will tell you what is best for you. Yeah, <laughs> i.e. Google. You need something to push that great reset button. It's not a COVID restriction. It's a government restriction. Yes. And I, thank you for making that clarification. That was something that uh, I think I mentioned the other day when my daughter and I were talking and, and we said something about COVID restrictions and then we rewound and said, wait a minute, it's not a, it's not a, the COVID's not the pro- crisis. It's the government that's the crisis. <laughs> it's the government that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Twee Girl. Twee Girl says... Key Twee Girl? Huh? Yeah, Twee Girl says, look into the WF's cyber polygon. It explains their next manufactured global crisis. Oh, uh, I will. I will. By the way, um, I haven't seen that, but I did see the Pope teed up some... St- I don't know if you saw the Wall Street... Or not Wall Street Journal, New York Times um, op-ed that the Pope penned about basically um, he does the kind of normal Pope thing where he <laughs> conflates caring with pe- caring for people um, with voting for authoritarians to care for people. Like that's the same thing. Like supporting authoritarianism is how you care for people because uh, the Pope is a commie. Um, but he also in his op-ed pretty clearly um, is is prepping us. They're laying the groundwork, and here's what they're doing. They're saying COVID is special, so in the COVID case, we need to do these things and let the government blah 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 because people are suffering and do 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 do. And we need to why? Who cares about principles during COVID? We don't, you know, the Constitution yeah, be damned. Okay. COVID, right? Uh, but then they're teeing up some other truths, which are, hey, you know, there's a lot of other crises in the world which are much worse than COVID. So when COVID's over, they've got they've got a long train of crises that they can roll out that they will and and by the way because COVID is such a weak one, there will be more legitimacy to some of these crises than than COVID. And so yes. they'll be able to really justify doing more uh in terms of authoritarianism. 
lately I've seen these them. Crises. Lately I've seen them talking about um, it's the like the trifecta is sort of COVID, racial injustice, and climate change. Yeah, yeah. Climate change stopped being cool for a little while, so I they're you know they needed to find something else. So COVID's good for them, but it'll it'll come around again. It'll come around. Yeah. Okay, uh, next right. one. Maldred. You got Maldred? No. Maldred says, we don't know what we have until it's... By the way, he gives us 50 bucks. Thank you, Maldred. That's, uh, Thank generous. you, Manny. Uh, we don't know what we have until it's gone. Many are not seeing the acceptance of the loss of liberty we have experienced. And even worse, where we are heading. The U.S. is the last bastion of personal freedom in the world. We need to keep it. I, you know, I couldn't agree more, Manny, and... Uh, that's why I'm trying to get people to go back to principle because if you if you try and jump on this pragmatic argument for stuff, you will lose uh, because it's an unconvincing argument at the end of the day. Um, and you know you need that oxygen line. You're floating out in space and you're about to run out of air. You need the oxygen line back. You got to plug back into principles and you got to reject this idea. You know the only reason that principles. Uh, aren't pragmatic is if they're the wrong principles. If principles are based in reality, then they are necessarily pragmatic because reality is what works or prag pragmatism is what works in reality. So if your principles are correct, they're also the practical thing to do in the long run. They're also the right thing to do. Um, you don't have to abandon them. Uh, all right, let's see. Austin oh, Mellon. Manny, I uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to say, Vanny's first sentence there, we don't know what we have until it's gone. Just, th yeah, that's true. That's all. I just wanted to highlight that. I have to take a break. I'll be back. Uh-oh. <laughs> Carrie is going to be in an undisclosed location for a few minutes. All right. Uh, Austin Mellon. Austin says, I'm pro-legalizing drugs until I become a cop. Oh, you, maybe I was. I was pro-legalizing drugs until I became a comp and had to serve these people. The strain on the community is immense, even with them illegal personal experience with death. Yeah, but the thing is, Austin, uh, it's worse with them illegal. Um, when you make something like drugs illegal, you get people who are the worst people, the people willing to be in, uh, to use violence to enforce their their relationships, the, the people willing to to steal and shoot people, and and the people who are the people who want violence, you build a culture of violence. Um, those are the people who are attracted to the drugs because you know they're illegal. Um, if you could go to the store and buy cocaine, uh there would be no need of a cartel, right? Um, and and I think you would start to have more uh, education around those drugs and probably more responsible use of those drugs. Now, do I think it's good to use those drugs? No, not necessarily, no. I'm not saying it's good to use them, but um, I would check your premise that, that, you know, it's bad even with them illegal. I would say it's bad precisely because they're illegal it's horrible that's why it's horrible um in fact if you i bet if you rewound history and went to the prohibition the people running alcohol were the worst people in society it was the mob because the mob does stuff that's illegal by its nature 
So that's that's who you're dealing with. You could make Rice Krispies illegal, and you would be the same people. All right. Um, I'm gonna. Let's see. Pull next up one the is next one. Gordon Hawkins. You see that one? No, not yet. All right. I'll, I'll read Gordon. Carrie, what you said on FNT about facts and emotion was spot on. We need excellent creators. I want to start a media company, but I don't have a network, and I don't know where to begin. Any advice? Uh, Gordon, well, thank you. Uh, yes, I think, unfortunately, I think you have to start small because you have, if you're doing it yourself, in, unless you're a person with a lot of connections and you think you can raise the funds for your own network, uh, which is hard enough if you're doing content that is woke that they currently want. That's hard enough anyway. But especially if you're doing the, st the stuff they're not buying right now, uh, I think you have to just make your own content. And it's easier to do that. So far, it's, it's proven to be easier to do that for comic book creators and for podcasters. I mean, uh, because the overhead isn't as high and, you know, people can get in. There aren't as many barriers to getting into it. Um, before talking about, like, having a network – I mean, I would focus on one piece of content. That would just be if it were me. I mean, Carter and I have envisioned for a long time Unsafe Space eventually having other hosts and being sort of a network uh, of sorts with mm -hmm. more than just Confeffy Break and other kinds of shows. And so, but we started with one show and we've tested out a few others and we've had talks with some other hosts about being, you know, maybe developing something for our, our channel. Um, but yeah, start with one thing. So if you are a person who likes comedy, for example, figure out what you can do. That's not a huge budget, whether you're going to crowdfund it or not, or whether you're just going to save and, you know, use your savings for it. But there's definitely a, in terms of like culturally, and there's, there's a gap, there's interest in stuff that's not woke. And the legacy media, the, the legacy entertainment outlets are not filling that gap at the moment. And that's why you see all these independent comic books doing so well. And I truly believe we're going to see someone, we've already seen some individual comics kind of step into that gap and have a, a lot, a large degree of success online, like Ryan Long and uh, JP Sears. And what they're doing is, is small in scope. They figure out how much, you know, they're not trying to tackle a whole network off the top. So the one thing I haven't seen, and maybe people are more familiar with this than I am, but I haven't seen any sort of larger scale production kind of entertainment that's being done outside of the mainstream. I haven't seen, you know, somebody debuting. Here's a, a 12 episode series that I made for YouTube, you know, where you're following a character arc and you've got actors and that kind of stuff. Like it'll come. It'll yeah, come. it will come. Production, you just need more money for the production. Right. But even that, you can do that without having a whole network. You can you can figure out, you don't have to put on YouTube, you can pick another platform or whatever. But, um, you know, I used to do, when I when I worked in uh, entertainment, some of my comics we had, you know, we had, uh, like we had a TV show on a network, a major network for a while. But then other times we, even even working in the entertainment structure, we were having to figure out how to make things on our own making comedy series, making videos, you know, whether we raised money from the fan base or not. Like I love, I actually love some of that kind of where I don't like the woke aspect, <laughs> but I would love to get back into producing just shorts and stuff. That would be fun. Like non woke yeah. shorts. So Hopefully anyway, good luck. Someday. 
Yeah, no. And whatever you end up trying or doing, let our unsafe space community know about it. Yes, absolutely. I will say uh, one decision, uh, I don't know if it's going to be right for you, but it was right for for us. Um, We didn't want to raise money. We thought about raising money a little bit. Um, I thought about it a lot. I know you thought about it a little bit, Carrie, at least, uh, because I know you, you talked to me about it. The issue with raising money is you're going to lose control eventually, and uh, unless it's unless it's just donations from your audience. But if you raise money from venture capitalists, you'll lose control. No matter what they promise, you'll lose control eventually. And so, um, if you want to be, if you want to be editorially independent, you need to just build it slowly. From you need to have the patience and just like what Carrie was saying, just do something small. Build it slowly over time, um, and eventually uh, you'll grow. But you can't do the startup. You can't do the normal startup thing. Um, just the normal startup thing is just it's grow fast uh, and burn through a lot of cash. And you just you can't you can't do it because you'll lose control. And as, and as soon as you lose control, woke will infiltrate whether you're the founder or not. It's not gonna you know way to stop it. All right. Um, Pirate Tomsky. Pirate Tomsky gives us five pounds and says, for the Carter rants. Oh, thank you, Pirate Tomsky. Let's see. Tarmanel. Tarmanel gives us a hundred somethings denominated into something. Check dollars? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for a good job and the book club. Keep it up. Uh, Well, thank you. Speaking of... Book club's coming up soon. We're currently reading The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, if you guys want to join us. Yeah. I got my old, and, how old my copy is. Super old copy. Oh, nice. And yeah. uh, so we're doing fiction this month, and then we've we've selected the book for next month. We haven't announced it yet, I don't think. We're going no, to we be... Should. Go ahead. Yeah, we should announce it. We're going to be finally reading the uh, the new book by James Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose, Cynical Theories. So that that's not this month. That'll be the following month. We kind of alternate fiction, nonfiction. If you guys want to get a, a jump yep. on that one, and that's on January twenty fourth. That um, second one. Yeah, the second one. And the first one, Moon is a Harsh Mistress, is on December twentieth. So, uh, but it's, it should be a fast read. It's easy. All right, Helena Black. Helena Black uh, gives us ten bucks and says, "If censorship of bad ideas is necessary for the health of the nation, then." How have we sold the Inquirer in grocery stores for decades without mass foil hat wearing? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we're all, because we're all alien pod people now. That's, uh, yeah. Drunken Moel, Drunken Moel says, uh, at least the coof is better than communism. Oh, wait, what's the COOF? I feel like I should it's know COVID. that. It's COVID. It's COVID. Oh, it is? Oh, it's better than at least communism. the COVID is better than communism. Oh, wait. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I was, you know, when I when I was having a conversation with my wife yesterday, she was, I mean, she's worried about the U.S., mostly because people in China are worried about the U.S. Um, and she's surrounded by people who are like, what the hell is going on in China? And I've, as I've said before, or in the U.S., and as I've said before, these are people who sent their kids to the U.S. to get out of China. And now they're like, come home. <laughs> it's falling apart. Uh, but you know, I was saying like, if the U S if we're going to have socialism anyway, in the U S, uh, 
the U.S. starts to look no different than any place else. So then the, the question is like, well, why not have socialism with Chinese characteristics? Like, which is what they call China's system. Like, I mean, there's no, if we're going to have an authoritarian socialist government, suddenly the U.S. doesn't even, you don't even need to be here. There's nothing special. Um, Pirate Tomsky, another five pounds from Pirate Tomsky says, as a disabled person, government handouts rob me of my own agency. I want to do as much as I can myself. And if I can't, then I can reach out to my community. Yeah. 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 Um, and look, and, and communities are, people aren't heartless. Communities do, if you run into real hard times, communities gather around. Remember, we just talked to, uh, remember when we talked to Charles Murray, Murray recently, and someone in his community, the fire had burned down their home, I think, or business or something. Yeah. And he said within like 24 hours, people had gathered and donated all this money and then this whole thing in this community. And people, you know, when, you're, when you suffer... People have empathy, especially at the community level. Uh, Kay, Carrie's friend Kay, gives another five bucks and says, No, I think Good Samaritan, how elevated society helps poor, vulnerable, smokers, etc., raise medical costs for everyone. There are no silos. We are one grand global society. Oh, this was the comment I think that you were talked about before. <coughs> no, yeah. this is another one. Follow up to it. Oh, it's the same comment, though. Uh, we're not one grand society. We are... Uh, individual silos that can voluntarily interact with one another and build communities voluntarily. Uh, and, uh, yeah, look, I get it. If I had to pay for your smoking habit, I wouldn't want to do it either. Uh, I wouldn't want you to smoke either. <laughs> like, uh, I totally understand. Uh, the thing is, we don't have to pay for people's... The con we don't... As soon as you remove consequences from the cause, all hell breaks loose. It's a moral hazard. If, if I don't pay for the consequences of my actions, but Carrie does... That's a recipe for disaster, and that's what you're asking for. Holly. Holly gives 10 bucks and says, I'm no rocket scientologist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw what you did there. Uh, but my parents let me pay for my mistakes growing up, and I grew up to take great joy in solving problems I know value. Yeah. Yeah. You do get great joy in solving problems in that sense of self-efficacy. Good on your parents. Uh, let's see. Speak your mind. Says, Speak your mind. Oh, I got, got it. it. Speak your good. mind. Says, good morning from Australia. Ready for Christmas. <laughs> I am. I've actually, now Thanksgiving over is over, my housemate and I are going to put up our decorations. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, People have already started decorating here. Uh, Swiftner Braveheart. Thank you, Swiftner. Swiftner says, I think people truly fear self-ownership and responsibility. It's easy to blame or fault others if their decisions and directions end poorly for us. It's their fault, not ours. It's infantile. It is indeed. But I think you're right. Uh, yeah. This goes back to that whole thing of people. We all, it's so easy to want to point fingers outside of ourselves instead of looking at ourselves. You know, it's always somebody else's fault. Or it's so easy to say, you know, this is about someone or something else and this is not about me. Well, there's Even when it mostly that super is, chat here, too. Yeah. A, you want to read the next Swiftner, one? Swiftner, Braveheart, yeah. I was going to say, even if it is mostly about someone else, there's still something in that situation probably that is about you. Yeah. Um, Swiftner, Braveheart says, conversely, self-ownership and responsibility is scary. We choose. It's our fault. We carry our own weight. This naturally brings us into conflict with both cowards and bullies. The struggle is real. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I tell you, 
cowards and bullies do not like people who have self-ownership. <laughs> Oddly enough, cowards uh-huh. actually like bullies quite a lot. Because uh, bullies, bullies remove uh, responsibility from cowards. Most bullies are cowards. Yeah, but they... Most bullies but, I've met are ultimately cowards. I'll, I'll, I'll use different language then. The submissives okay. and the doms. The submissives like the oh. doms because they remove responsibility, right? The, the doms yeah. are the, the authoritarians. Like, I'll tell you which masks to wear and what lockdowns you have to do. Blah, blah, blah. And the, the, the other people, regardless of how well it goes, like it because they don't have to be responsible for whatever happens. The submissives like it, yeah. They like being told what to do. Andrew Joyner's back. He gives us two pounds and says, I'm back. What's up? Wait, didn't he go watch Netflix? <laughs> what was that a short show? Yeah, I did. <laughs> well, no, we've just gone long, Carter. Oh, okay. uh, Kent. I hope it was a good Kent. Netflix. Hello, Kent. Kent says, please open Canadian Telegram page or group. Oh, sure. we will take that under advisement. Yes, we should because Telegram has got so many people on it now. There's so many messages. We should probably break it up. Oh, also, I should uh, say something. Uh, so on, I think it was on. I think it was on Wednesday. I noticed a button on Subscribestar that was enable Discord, and I pressed it. I think we have a Discord server now. If you're a Subscribestar member, I think you can just go. Uh, I don't see anyone other than our team on it right now, um, but we haven't told anyone about it, and there's nothing there. But I think if you're a Subscribestar member, you can go to Discord. If you're uh, a member through PayPal, we'll have to figure out how to get you onto this server. I'm sure we can figure out a way. Um, so just email me if you are a PayPal member and want to get on. And in the meantime, yeah, we'll cool. figure out a way to do that. So, yeah. That's very cool. Uh, okay. Judge Lot. Hi, Judge. Uh, gives us $20 super chat and says, I was at work during Monday's show. So sorry for this being late. Uh, we have a thankful chat. I like this. Okay. <laughs> that was really cool. Everybody who chose to do super chats that day made them mostly about the same topic. And it was a really positive show. I loved it. Yep. Um, he says, I'm thankful. My crazy friend got me to watch QAnon stuff on YouTube. The documentary out of shadows led me to you guys ah. due to your video discussing it. Well, I'm really glad you watched that too. Yeah. And that welcome. you found us here. Yeah. I watched that doc. I mean, obviously we talked about it. Yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting. It's not my, I would say the best two docs I've watched the past year would be, Hoaxed, the Cernovich docs is great. Yeah, and actually three. Let's say three. Hoaxed, uh, Uncle Tom, and the plot against the president. Those were all very informative. Oh, I haven't seen the last two. Oh wait, no, I saw the plot against the president. I didn't see I Uncle didn't Tom. See Uncle Tom. I, you know, the other one I would throw in there, which is super short, is uh, Blood Money. Qatar. Oh, Blood Money. Qatar uh, the, about Qatar. The, uh, the Qatar one. Yeah, that's another Cernovich one, and it's short. Um, and it dovetails probably, nicely with the book we just read. So, I guess I don't pronounce that right. Okay, Sean I thought awesome. it was I thought it was uh, Qatar also, but I saw like like foreign policy expert people saying Qatar, so I've switched. I don't know. So if someone knows, they can correct. Sean Awesome. Sean Awesome says, "In the name of climate change, COVID, and Black Lives Matter." Amen. The Oh, amen with a Y. (laughs) The Church of Woke. P.S. Send Carter ties like Carrie gets hats. You know what, sir? Somebody has knitted a tie for Carter before, and I think he's probably getting more. I heard in the there's a special Unsafe Space Knitters Telegram channel, and they were discussing uh, Carter. I should tell you that I'll just tell you on air. They said, hey, if we knit pink um, 
pajamas for Carter. Will you, will he wear them on the air? And I said, yes. Mm. <laughs> he might not. Yeah, he might not. Come on. <laughs> uh, he might donate yeah. them to his wife. Uh, but uh, uh, I, no, I also, by the way, a... someone else who had a, um, I don't know if he wants to be outed, but someone else who had a like formal wear, I don't know if it was a formal wear shop or some shop that closed, sent me a bunch of ties that aren't knitted as well. So actually, I do have a supply of ties from people. So uh, don't worry, I'm That's not left out nice in the cold. Carrie just today. has the hats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Carter, also from Judge Lott, Carter, how do we know that democracy sucks? Because two Senate races in Georgia filled with incompetence and possible fraud could affect my Second Amendment rights. People in South Louisiana should not have to care about Georgia Senate races. <laughs> here, here, Judge Lott, I completely agree with you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Actually, would... maybe instead of pink pajamas, if you make it a pussy hat, totally I'll wear it. No, don't make that. <laughs> I won't. Don't make that. <laughs> I won't wear. I'm not gonna wear pink pajamas, guys. Sorry. Uh, oh come on. We'll have to figure out a way. Mm -hmm. We'll do like a special. You have frivolity. the frivolity. You have more frivolity than me. We'll do like a New Year's Eve frivolity episode or something. I see. All right. Yeah, maybe. I, I did ask okay. for a Jane hat. I still have not received a Jane hat. So. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Thank you, guys. I think we made it through super chats. We went over Carter. We said we only do like. A short episode today, but we went kind of long, which is fine. Oh, well. Hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for tuning in to hear about the craziness in the world. Yeah, go back to go back to your personal gratitude list to cheer yourself up after this episode. That's yep. what I'm gonna do. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, and you know what, Carrie, I need a vacation at some point. I don't know when in December, but I'm really tempted to say we're gonna take a vacation at some point in December. I don't know. You and I will talk about it later. I just yeah, I'm sure. so. Yeah, I'm so burnt Tight. out. But um, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We will be doing more interviews and that kind of stuff uh, coming up. So we're uh, not not banned from our channel. We're back on our channel. So um, hopefully you'll see more of that stuff. Uh, again, also verify you are subscribed. Carrie has said like dozens of people that Carrie knows have been unsubscribed yes. uh, surreptitiously. So go make sure you're subscribed. If you think you are, just double check. Uh, and if you're not subscribed, why not? Go subscribe and uh, and share the content. We really appreciate it. So, and you can go yeah, to safespace.com if you want to support us in any other way. All right. Sorry. Loquacious Primate. Hi. Oh. Says, uh, gives a super chat and says, Hail Carrie. Great seeing you on Friday Night Tights last week. Well, cool. Well, thank you because you're one of the people who recommended us to them and them to us. So I appreciate it. Um, as Carter said earlier, we've got book club coming up. So if you guys want to join, you can go to unsafespace.com and just check out the book club page. It'll give you all the dates and the books that we're doing. It's free to join and participate. You can be on camera during the discussion, or you could be in a live chat like today. And yep. we're doing fiction this month, so it'll be fun. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. Okay. And we will, uh, we will see you on Monday. Bye, Carter. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate.
You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please report any sightings to your nearest smart device. Did you know that 98.5% of conspiracy theories have been conclusively debunked by the CIA? If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Here's a fun fact. We do not call it Skynet. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.